G'day humans, what's a good word? Chris Funder back here with Produce Alex for another edition of Wrestling All-Style. Uh, Alex, big congratulations to you all the uh, the hard work on our latest episode, number 180, the interview we had with Dan of Dubbo Championship Wrestling. Really well done. Hey, it's, it's a team effort. Um, I just tell someone to come on at a specific time. All the editing, all that, that's all you, man. Um, yeah, and plus, I think you were the only one that actually had questions prepared. <laughs> uh, no, you, you did really well in that interview, man. I'm, I'm proud. Uh, so, yeah, for anyone who hasn't checked that, that's uh, up in the archives now. Uh, this might be a bit of a, a bigger episode of the rap, looking back on the uh, the uh, WrestleMania preview, I guess. But uh, before we get there, a bit of news to touch on. Uh, had a bit of time off. I had someone in the household test positive for COVID, so I had to isolate for eight days. I had a bit of a cough, which didn't make it fun to try to record or anything. So Alex was very understanding with some time off there. And then... Um, I appeared on Post Wrestling. I was on there for review away number, I believe, 106, where we talked uh, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, I believe it's 11 from 2017, uh, Broken Hardys versus Bucks of Youth. Yeah, the last uh, Hardy Boys appearance on the indie scene before going back to the Fed. It was really, in a lot of ways, the last true Hardy Boys appearance we get. Because how long were they together in the fact? Because it feels like by res- next WrestleMania, Matt was uh, with Bray in the Andre Battle Royale. Yeah, from what I believe, like six months into the run, Jeff got injured. So then they just fast-tracked the whole Matt getting broken thing. And then... Uh, yeah, then the next WrestleMania, Matt Hardy wins the Andre Battle Royal thanks to Bray Wyatt. And then the next night on Raw, Jeff Hardy returns from injury. And there's a fucking underrated segment backstage on the Raw after Mania with Jeff Hardy is walking, doing the typical walking backstage thing. He's got a main event that night teaming with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. So the three of them are walking backstage, but they get stopped by Bray Wyatt and and Matt Hardy and and Bray Wyatt just goes, Brother Nero. <laughs> and and they just like Bray uh Bray, Jeff and Matt have this weird, like broken conversation. And they cut to Finn Balor and Seth Rollins just being like, what the fuck are you guys on about? I suppose, speaking of which, uh, going across to uh, AEW briefly, uh, the Hardys back over there together. My, my God. <laughs> How did no one think of this before? Their music is public domain. Like, all I thought, like, I've thought about it for years, like, how is it that I can hear a commercial for a local bike shop in Aubrey for years that just uses the Hardy Boys theme song on the radio all the time? And then how is it that a bike shop like that in Aubrey can use it, but TNA never once tried to use it? 
because TNA continues to do TNA things. Yeah. To be fair, I, I swear to God, like, Jeff Hardy must have had it written into his contract that he had to use his own music because he wanted to promote his band or whatever, but... You leave Proroxygen out of this. I think um, I may have said this on on Smack It Down, or that might have... Or it might have happened off air. But anyway, Peroxygen, much better than Fozzie. Just putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much better than, oh, what is it? Um, uh, Downstate? Hey. Hey. Are you all in? I mean... Has there been a band in wrestling history that's had two worst live performances of their own music? My God. Or um, the uh, Cody theme. Well, for um, Fug's purposes, and I know the latest episode hasn't gone up yet, but I've been um, watching a lot of Cody's entrances for a particular thing I'm doing in Fug's. Chris knows. And I, like, two days ago watched the Cody entrance with the live performance. Oh, My God. It's so bad. And the thing is, it's not um, when they had the fuzzy guitarist there, I think, playing Brit's entrance. Yeah, that, but that was, still kinda, that was still kind of shitty. Yeah, I just passed that off as, here's a guitarist playing this music, like when they had the... Um, the violinist for Nakamura or the guitarist for Nakamura before uh, Rick uh, Boogs. Yeah. But, um, that's their own music, and it just sounds horrible live. I, I, I think a lot of it had to do with the mix. Like, it was... The audio mix of it was horrible. You could barely hear the guitars and the drums were too loud. Yeah. <laughs> How um, same guys producing it and not learn from their mistakes years before for this band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't think we talked about this, but Jade's entrance at the recent pay-per-view with the guitarist might have been one of the best like live guitarist entrances in a while. Yes, and also uh, in her Jade Mortal Kombat inspired gear, but yeah, but uh, really good, uh, really good, um, live entrance there as well. Yeah, yeah, quickly, your favorite live band entrance of all time, DX band. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh no, uh, that comes to mind. Uh, uh, do, do you remember what? Go on. Have you ever seen the clip of the DX band playing the national, uh, the national anthem or whatever it was to kick off a WrestleMania? Why the two of them? Jeez, not probably not since we were kids, to be honest. Uh, it's just the most horrendous piece of business I've ever seen. It's so horrible. It's like it's even with the Aussie musicians. I find. Anyone who sings the national anthem, they're either going to sing it uh, really good or they're going to try to put their own spin on it for whatever reason and just screw it up. Yeah. Oh, it was America the Beautiful. And the 
DX band dude was like, America, the beautiful, America, the beautiful. Oh my God, it was horrible. Oh uh, man, I suppose uh, briefly touching on St. Patrick's Day Slam, uh, what do you think of Brim Thunder Rosa in the cage? Uh, uh, not their best match, but still pretty good. Shades of uh, Jessica Troy and um, oh, yeah. Persia Parada. Yeah, yeah. Very, uh, we don't use that name talking about PWA. Yeah, very uh, Jessica Troy and Steph DeLander. Um, yeah, uh, if you had asked me which one's better, <laughs> I'd say Jessica Troy and Steph DeLander. Um, but my God, it was a good match, but something was off with Thunder Rosa. And then the reports came out that she's working through a couple of injuries at the moment. So that kind of checks out. Yeah. And, uh, AEW touring Texas before WWE's, uh, big weekend. Like that's a big risk to be honest, to be touring Texas uh, two weeks out from WrestleMania, when people probably like in that area have probably spent a lot of money on wrestling just for the upcoming WrestleMania. Yeah, it's a big risk, and it's paid off. Where are they this week? Because they're the only promotion sort of not in Texas this week. Yeah, that I'm not exactly sure. Hang on. Okay. Uh, while Alex looks that up, uh, I think that's sort of all the news I want to touch on other than one last piece of news once Alex uh, confirms his location of Dynamite uh, tomorrow. Yeah, so... Hang on. March 30th. Columbia, South Carolina, of course. They're in... Um... I know. The, yeah, they're in the hometown of No More BS, Paul White. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to ask you what famous uh, WCW wrestlers came from there, but you've already answered that with the giant. <laughs> there you go. I suppose uh, last little bit of news here before we go on to a, a sad piece of news. Uh, Hall of Fame updates. Yes. So we yes. have we have <laughs> Undertaker. Uh. We have... Uh, Big Van Vader, Big Daddy Vader. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, we do. We have Queen Charmel. Uh. <laughs> we have, uh, with the, I believe it's the Legacy Award, is Shad Gaspard. Yeah, the Warrior Award. Warrior Award, what did I say? Legacy, that's the the group of people that they just all throw in at once. Because oh, that's they feel much. like they're too old. Pre-Vince. Uh, junior yeah. uh, time. And I believe the latest one announced was a tag team yesterday on Raw, the Steiner Brothers. Ha! <laughs> ha! <laughs> you have a quick little bit of Steiner math there? <laughs> uh, not off the top of my head, but go back to Fugs, I believe it's uh, two episodes ago. <laughs> Promo time, Mean Gene backstage with the Iron Sheik and the Steiner brothers. Sheiky Baby says that his best friends 
My best friends will humble those jabronis on Sunday. Maintain our Scott. Scott, what do you think your chances are in the sacrifice three-way? Scott Steiner says, give me the fucking mic. You know, Gene, they say all tag teams are created equally. But you look at us and you look at the Dudleys and you can see that statement's not true. See, normally, if you go two-on-two with another tag team, you got a 50-50 chance at winning. But the Steiners are genetic freaks, and we're not normal. So you got a 25% chance at best to beat us. Then you add two cool to the mix, your chances drastic go down. See, the sacrifice three-way, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But we got a 66, a two-thirds chance of winning, because Too Cool knows they can't beat us, and they're not even going to try. So Dudleys, you take your 33 and a third chance and minus our 25% chance, and you got an eight and one third chance of winning at Sacrifice. But then you take our 75% chance of winning if we was to go two on two, and then add 66 and two third percents, we got 141 and two thirds chance of winning at the Sacrifice three-way. C-Dudleys, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you in the sacrifice match. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, really good class, and I believe when we were talking about it, I was talking tag teams who's left from that WCW era who could go in, and yes, it's the Steiners. Surprising they're going in considering uh, what you said happened at a uh, Hall of Fame or a WWE access a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. He went off. Scott Steiner a few years ago went after Hulk Hogan. But I I watched Raw yesterday, right? And Roman (laughs) Roman Reigns comes out and the commentators specifically say, Roman Reigns is about to main event his sixth WrestleMania, one behind the person with the most. Specifically, not naming Hulk Hogan. Yeah. (laughs) Did you pick up on that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was really odd that they weren't naming Hulk Hogan. And now, Scott Steiner's going into the Hall of Fame. But, like... uh, in my wrestling group chat with Warwick and all that, I did say, here's my theory. Because I've seen enough... Sco- no. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> I've seen a lot of Scott Steiner shoot interviews because they're fucking amazing. Um, in many videos, he's said, oh, I'm not going to go into the WWE Hall of Fame because where is it? Where can I go visit it? It's a, it's a bullshit Hall of Fame. It only exists to create TV ratings. If it was a real Hall of Fame, you'd be able to go visit it. And then he stops and says, but if they gave me a shitload of money, I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, um, so, and my other... Uh, Austin theory is a who's debuted in the past year. Scott Starter's nephew. 
Maybe Scott's Steiner's son. <laughs> so maybe Scott Steiner says, oh, I better say yes this year because I don't want my nephew to get residual heat from me saying no. Could also be true, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking he got a shitload of money and he didn't want to fuck up his nephew's career. Yeah, that could be quite possible too. Uh, interesting to see how long we're going to go with this uh, Hall of Fame ceremony, considering it's starting at 10 Eastern for the North American viewers, uh, same time as Rampage is starting, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Do so... you any hillbilly gyms? I mean, I would love for Scott Steiner to do a hillbilly gym. <laughs> I want Scott Steiner to get up on the stage and just say, and just do a classic Scott Steiner and go, hey, give me a fucking mic. Hey. <laughs> um, Who inducts him? Do you think it's uh, like when Dusty went in and his kids inducted him? Do you think it's going to be? Um, oh, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be Brun Breaker for sure. Yeah, and I, I've said this before. I think, ah, uh, yeah, holler if you hear me, doggos. Um, <laughs> I think this like induction will be the way for them to sort of softly introduce Bron Breaker onto the main roster. Oh, uh, oh it appears that uh, Kedis is not a fan of that idea. Maybe no, no, no. They're just um, they're barking in honor of Rick Steiner going into the Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose a uh, last little bit of news here from our, our time away. Uh, a sad little bit of news. Uh, yeah. So Scott Hall, man, this this news really like really messed me up. Um, one of my all-time favorites for sure. He's got everything an Alex Williams guy, like everything I consider for an Alex Williams guy. He's got a powerbomb style finish. He's tall, he's muscular, he's handsome, and he can cut a promo. Like that is textbook Alex Williams guy. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, not gonna lie. Uh, this news really messed me up a bit just because, yeah, huge hero of mine. Um, always felt like he should have been a world champ. And I sort of discussed this on the Smack It Down podcast. Like, they could have very easily have just said, instead of giving Diesel the title run, giving... Razor Ramon, the title run in 94, 95. Yeah, that's what we actually talked about during our um our uh, podcast talking the champ like top ten champions who never were world champ. Yeah. Yeah. Um my god, like it very easily could have been Razor and in hindsight, like yeah, business went down during Diesel's title run. So, like, Razor could have done literally everything that Diesel did as world champ, but actually be able to put on some better matches. So but, maybe... 
Who was Diesel's first defense? Diesel's first defense, I believe, was Brett. So that would have been a great match. And then who? Uh, then he had Sean at Mania. So that would have my been God. Great. So like that was Mania Eleven. So if you put the title belt on Razor. You've gone back-to-back WrestleManias with Sean versus Razor, this time for the world title. That would have been incredible. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then you get into the summertime where Diesel had a series of matches against um, Sid, not as bad as you would think, but then the dreaded, <laughs> then the dreaded Mabel feud. Is this during the time of Men on a Mission? Yeah, uh, this is heel turn. Uh, one king of the ring became King Mabel, and the men on the mission were like his servants. Oh, poor Mo. Yeah, poor Mo. Poor Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so I think he would have got a few really good matches in, and then did Racer ever have a... a like a pay-per-view type match with Mabel? Uh, not that I can recall off the top of my head. I, I, I don't know if at that point in time Razor could have carried Mabel to a, to a decent match, but he would have been able to carry Mabel to a better match than Diesel, and that's no disrespect to Diesel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Favourite Scott Hall memories? I mean, as a kid, showing up on Nitro and being like, why is he here? Yeah. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Uh, Then the the whole Bash at the Beach Outsiders thing. Going earlier, watching the tapes of uh, WrestleMania 10, of course, the ladder match that everyone talks about. Yeah. His match. of course, my boy, X-Pac, Sean Waltman. He, he made the 1-2-3-Kid. That's where he gets his name, 1-2-3-Kid. Yeah. Because and, he's razor so quick. And, hey, we've done the, this on our watch-along show. Like, we've seen Razor Ramon Scott Hall just out of nowhere put over a young up-and-coming guy. Like, just literally out of nowhere. We did a watch-along and watched Scott Hall in 2001 put over Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. Crazy that uh, Tana's still wrestling about 20 years later. A little worse for wear, but uh, still going. But Scott... uh, And I was... uh, After Scott Hall passed, there was stories shared about that. And apparently Scott Hall just said to Tiger Hattori, uh, apparently that whole tour, Scott Hall had been, like, assigned Hiroshi Tanahashi as his young boy. And he told Tiger Hattori, like, hey, I just want to match with my young boy tonight. And Tiger Hattori says, okay, okay, keep it quick, cut a promo on Muda. And, yeah, go over. Scott Hall went in there, 
cut a promo on Muda and told Tanahashi to roll him up and beat him <laughs> when he wasn't meant to. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just, like, one of the random things where Scott Hall has done this before, like, live on Nitro in 1997. The NWO are untouchable. Scott Hall gets put into a squash match against this young dude, Chris Jericho, live on Nitro. And he was told, beat him in five minutes and then come back. Scott Hall said to Jericho, roll me up. (laughs) And Jericho rolled up Scott Hall and was the first person to beat Scott Hall one-on-one in WCW. Wow. And it was against the script because Scott Hall has said in shoot interviews, like, hey, these young guys, like, I'm untouchable. These young guys can do it do a lot more from beating me, and if I lose to them, it does nothing against me. So, so yeah, like, one, two, three, kid, Chris Jericho, Hiroshi Tanahashi, he had an eye for talent. Yeah, and we see that 20 years later now with, um, I guess, 25 years later now with Jericho in uh, AEW and all the stuff he's done there, all the matches he's had against younger less experienced opponents on a national level. Yeah, and taking younger guys under his wing like Scott Hall would do as well. Like uh basically like just incredible like got all of his chances he got in the business because of the recommendation of Scott Hall and all that. So yeah, Scott Hall eh, man, I'm just really thankful to DDP that we got you know, 11 more years out of him than we probably should have. Yeah, we got got a second chance to see see the man himself and then um, he got that chance to uh, spend time with his family and that. And it's just terrible that he uh, he passed, something to do with a blood clot, and then he had three consecutive heart attacks, the poor fella. But um, yeah, um, thoughts go out to his uh, family and friends there. Have you ever watched The Resurrection of Jake Roberts, the documentary, the oh, movie thing yeah, made by DDP? I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, that whole story, man. Like, it was just amazing to see, like, Scott and Jake come so good. And, you know, the last 10, 11 years or so, like... Uh, 10 years or so, like, getting to be able to see, like, Scott Hall go into the Hall of Fame twice, getting to hear that Scott Hall's, like, oh, he's at the NXT, he's at the Performance Centre helping train some of the bigger guys, and he's come comes in every now and then to help coach, and it's, like, awesome to hear that guys like him and, like, Jake Roberts with AEW is, like, helping helping build the next generation now when we thought for the longest time, like, hey, if it wasn't for these guys' demons, man, their mind for the business would have been so good for the current crop. Well, we we finally got that, and it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
weekly wrestling wrap, uh, the New Japan anniversary show. What? That happened? That is tonight as we're recording this. This is uh, the 1st of March. Right. New Japan no, anniversary show. Let, let's dive into it. I want to know what's going on because clearly I haven't been paying attention to New Japan. <laughs> so your anniversary show. You know what the anniversary show is normally headlined by? Uh, junior heavyweight champ versus heavyweight champ. Very good. Do you know who uh, each champ is at the moment going into this show? Is it Despi and Okada? Uh, El Desperado and Kazuchika Okada. Very good, Alex. Yeah, there you go. So to kick this off, coming to you from Nippon Budokan, we have a six-man opener of uh, Ray Awada, Tiger Mask, and Yo taking on the House of Torture, Evil, Sho, and Yujiro Takahashi of Bullet Club. Okay. <laughs> then so, six. Sorry, I had to mute because the dogs were going nuts and I had to yell at them. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> then a six-man tag of Suzuki Goon, Taichi Takamishinoku, along with uh, Minoru Tanataki. Tanaka. Okay, whatever the hell I said, that was wrong. Tanaka. <laughs> uh, taking on Bullet Club members, Balak Fale, Al Fantasmo, and Taiji Ishimori. A six-man tag of Suzuki-gun, Doki, El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Katamaru taking on Strong Hearts, Chima, mm. Al Linderman, and T-Hawk. Haven't seen those guys in a while. Yeah, yeah. Since the border closures and they were uh, quietly released from AEW with the uh, borders not opening anytime soon, so uh, good to see them getting something yeah. of note. I, ca I can't remember which one from the Strong Hearts is like really short but jacked. I can't remember which one it is, but <laughs> that that one is really fucking good. Is it Shima? No, no, not Shima. I think it's Linderman. He's like, just like really he's like tiny, but he's like jacked. He's like, almost like John Silver sort of thing. Like, just ah, okay. a short little pocket rocket of a human. Yeah, love it. Then we have an eight-man tag team match of Tenkoji, Hiroshi Tanzan, and Satoshi Kojima taking on... Uh, sorry, along with uh, Ata, Kosei Fujita. Jesus, I'm having a day. And Yuji Naka... Yuji Naka... Jesus! Yuji Nagata. <laughs> I'm having a terrible day. So it's that team taking on United Empire, Aaron Hanare, the Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Will Ospreay. Uh, I would have called the ambulance if he got any of the United Empire names wrong. Following <laughs> <laughs> that, a 10-man tag of Chaos, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, and Toriyano, along with Great Bash Hill team, Togi Makabe, and Toniaki Homma, along with Shio Koshi... Kima? Koshinima? Uh, Shiro Koshinaka. Yeah, I'm having a terrible day. <laughs> Versus the Lost in Gubla Nables de Hapon, Bushi, Hiromi Takahashi, Sonata, Shingo Takage, and Tatsuya Naito. Then, a tag team match of Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi taking on the team of six or nine 
Master Watto and Ryusuke Taguchi. Mm. And following that is a six-man tag, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, and Tatsumi Fujinami taking on Suzuki Gun members, (laughs) Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and Yoshiaki Fujiwara. Yeah, good work. I was positive you were going to fuck that up. Okay. A <laughs> I know of... Fujiwara. I know Fujinami. Yeah, uh, Fujinami and Fujiwara, a couple of, uh, I guess, legends of New Japan coming out for the main event here. That's different. Yeah, yeah. Different for an anniversary show. Of course, them building this up as 50 years of um, New Japan. So I think they are uh, bringing back a few legends here and there. So something okay. a bit different. They needed Muda. They got the relationship. They should have brought in Muda. Oh, yeah, yeah. They they could have done a lot of things. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'll probably chuck it on in the background and just see how it goes. But um, I thought, oh, we'll touch on this before it actually happens and see what Alex's excitement level is for this show. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that singles match on the card. Oh, wait. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, well, if they're all tag matches, I'm in, I'm excited for the one that has a title on the line. Oh, wait. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is just a bunch of meaningless tag matches with no story, just matches for the sake of matches. Uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that card can lick my butthole. Uh, <laughs> yep. So uh, uh, what else do we need to talk about? I suppose that's all from there. Did you catch Ring of Honor this week or any um, clips of the um, Hall of Fame packages? Because they've run four back-to-back Hall of Fame episodes focusing on each one of the announced inductees. And then they did a special this week. I did not know this was a thing, to be honest. Uh, If you go and watch the Joe one for free, I think it's still for free on Fight because it's Ring of Honor Weekly TV. It is, it's got Joe versus, um, Joe versus Kabashi. Um, yes. Joe versus Kabashi on there for free. So go check that oh, out. Shit. That should still be up for free. That's, um, yeah, probably the best Ring of Honor match of all time, in my humble opinion. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'll happily go back and watch that match again for sure. Yeah. Um, so they did the inductees. They said, uh, like, throw to the um, command center. It was um, Ian Riccoboni and Kerry Silken. So yeah. they're, they're, they're sort of briefly talking about each one of the inductees. It's just a video package. They don't have the, the guys talking or sending in a, a acceptance clip or anything, Yeah, uh, which I felt was lacking a little bit when you have had four episodes leading up to this of mostly highlights. Yeah, but that's just me. Like, I don't know what Joe's doing. I don't know what his non-compete is at the moment. He is he's ready to go. Okay. Yeah, his no-compete is over. But yeah, like you have the Briscoes under contract, and uh, well, the working sort of agreement with uh, Ring of Honor. I'm sure you could have got Joe, uh, not Joe, um, Brian and Punk. But we'll get there in a minute about AEW. So they do that. They announce each one of them, and it comes to like the last five minutes, and um, they cut back to the the command center, and um, Kerry Silken's there with 
Aaron Rickabani, and Aaron Rickabani has a little plaque, and he's presented it to to Kerry, saying, "Oh yeah, here's the the first class of um Ring of Honor Hall of Fame." And Kerry saying, "Oh yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really great class we've um put together and all that." And then Aaron's like, "Oh, we actually have one more award that I haven't announced yet." And he pulls out a box and he pulls out a little um glass trophy similar to the what was it the Vincent uh Vincent J McMahon Award of Excellence. I don't remember what that is at all. Remember when Stephanie was getting an award and then Shane returned to the company for like the first time in 10 years and it was a glass little plaque award thing? Oh, okay. Yeah. I do remember her. She was meant to get an award that night. I don't remember what it looked like. Anywho. Uh, So, yeah, uh, he pulls it out and says, uh, actually, there's one more to be inducted. It's uh, for you, somebody who without... Uh, Ring of Honor won't be here today and says how great Kerry Sorkin was to keep the company running and all that and says he's an ambassador and presents him with the Legacy Award which is used for like um going to be used for people backstage going forward and Good. after this year it's going to be known as the Kerry Sorkin Legacy Award. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And you had called that you said of all the people available to round out the class you need to put Kerry Sorkin in and they actually did. Yeah, yeah, bloody oath they needed to do that. It was either, like, if you're going to put in, like, a backstage person, there's two options in mind, and that's either Kerry Silken or Gabe Sapolsky, who's probably the booker during the best years of Ring of Honor. Yeah. So, So he's probably a good candidate to get it next year, the Legacy Award. But he's with WWE at the moment. He's not, is he? Gabe. Yeah. Isn't he helping down at um NXT because when they brought out Evolve? I'm almost entirely certain he got let go, but let me just check now. Okay. Has Alex uh checks on that? Yeah, Gabe Sapolsky is an American professional promoter and creative writer who used to work as a consultant for WWE. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, on January 6, 2022, Sapolsky was released by WWE. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so he would be... I didn't realise it was that soon ago. I didn't realise... I thought he was released a long time ago. But, yeah, there you go. Um, he's definitely a candidate for the future. Yep. Yeah, oh, they bought his company. We kept you around for a few years. Now, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I mean... Sure? Yeah. Oh, we gave you two... Two, three years worth of paychecks. You happy now? Go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I suppose from there, did you catch any of Impact? Uh, Dark reported match was Mark, Mike Bailey defeated Aiden Price, uh, Prince. Jeez, get together. Uh, pre-show matches or Lady Frost defeat... Uh, Jilson Shaw? Giselle. I thought Giselle was with a J. Nope. Okay. Damn you, <laughs> yeah. wish. Uh, tag team match of 
Rick Swan and Willie Mack defeated Team Honor No More, Taven and Bennett, who had Maria Canellas ringside. That was on uh, the pre-show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Idiots. Uh, why? <laughs> I mean, that's like the biggest feud in the company at the moment. Oh, would... you mean Impact being Impact, yes. Yeah, like, why would you put that on the pre-show? Because Impact. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah I could. The company's still gonna just do stuff because they're impact. That explains a lot because I was like, oh, I could have sworn there was meant to be like a, a stupid Matt Taven match or something on this pay per view, but it didn't happen. I was like, oh, okay, I'm fine <laughs> with it, but they've spent a lot of time building it. You leave the amazing wrestler that is Matt Taven alone, thank you. Quote the Taven, never more. <laughs> okay, uh, goes into the main show proper. X Division Championship match to kick things off where Trey Miguel, the champion, retains against Jake something. Oop, okay, I guess they uh, wanted a tile change there, did Alex's dogs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we saw Eddie Edwards with Honor No More ringside defeat Rhino with uh, his friends ringside, Saban, uh, Rich Swan, and Willie Mack. The influence, Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood defeat the inspiration, Cassie Lee and Jesse McKay, who were the former Impact Knockouts tag team champions, meaning Tennille Dashwood finally has a championship in a North American major company. Yeah, that's good and all, but... Uh... But Madison Rain... Yeah, I mean, I, I was a big fan of Madison Rain like 10 years ago, but it's now 2022. Um, we don't need her anymore. But her song goes, she's a killer queen. Or at least her album and, did. And speaking of PCO. <laughs> uh, Jonah defeats PCO. Uh, in their singles match. Jay White defeats Alex Shelley in their singles match. Uh, the Champ Champ Challenge is answered by Chelsea Green, who challenges Diana Perazzo for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Uh, where Deanna... uh, can we spend a second to talk about what happened after this match? Yeah. Diana retains. Okay, go, go ahead. Chelsea Green broke her arm in this match. Legit? Yep. I thought they were just playing that up as they went into the next match. Nope, she legit broke her wrist again. The exact same wrist. Oh, fuck. Poor girl. I mean, I think this is like the fourth time in like three years. Uh, I think she uh, should come back with a cast like Bob Orton. I think she just really needs to rethink something. I don't know. I think that there is a role for her in wrestling, but if she's going to break her arm every six months, I don't know if it is, like, I don't know if wrestling is the role she needs to have. Okay, so... She's a great character. She does amazing promos, but... Do we need to see her, like, constantly doing this to herself? And is she, like, 
each time she does it, she's back in a few months, and I feel like she's rushed. She's rushing her rehab to come back early, and yeah. perhaps that's why this is going on all the time. And I don't know. Something needs to change for her because it's. It might have been a little comical, like the third time or the second time she did it, but now it's just like you just sad. Feel, yeah, it's really sad, and it's just like every time she does something good, because this was a really good match, and every time something starts going for her, it's just arm breaks again. Like, they've been slowly building this Mickey James is uh, hanging out with Chelsea Green thing, and the whole reports of that is that Chelsea Green's meant to be the Mickey James to Mickey James being Trish Stratus. Like they're going to do the whole role reversal, like psycho stalker thing with Chelsea Green and Mickey yep. James. Cause that's what they originally wanted to do in WWE. And I was really keen to see that. And I really, really wanted to see it. And every time something interesting starts happening with her, this happens and it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so I had no idea because I was watching like on a one day, well, day and a half tape delay by the time I got around to it after work. Yeah. Uh, and as that happened, I wasn't online because I was also avoiding all the results for AEW. So yeah. by the time I watched AEW, I'm just like, oh, okay, it's all out of the news cycle now. So yeah, I had no idea she broke her arm. I thought that was yep. just Diana sort of being her down and then Mickey comes down and then Tasha Stills comes out and oh, we're going straight into the Impact Knockouts World Championship match. And yeah. I thought, oh, okay, this is something different that Impact hasn't done. And yeah, I just had no idea it was a, a legit injury there. Yep, yep. It's um, absolutely uh, disheartening. Yeah. Uh, so... Continuing on for the uh, the three sort of main event bouts here, we see uh, Mickey Jane's defending her Impact Knockouts World Championship against Tasha Stills and a new Impact Knockouts World Champion, Tasha Stills, with Savannah Evans in her corner. Good match? Yeah, yeah great match. Great match. Um, yeah, um, I think this was the right call. Tasha Steeles has been uh, improving dramatically every single week. She's been ready for this for a while, and it was Mickey James is the right sort of character to really help elevate someone like Tasha Steeles. So yeah, this was a hundred percent great decision, great match. And it's also interesting to see where Tasha Steeles is now and her former tag team champion partner in Kira Hogan. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, is she even official? Is she still with AEW? Jesus. Uh, she might be on AEW Dark. I have no idea. I can yeah. pop it up because it's uh, just in front of me. Give me a moment here as I uh, load it up on the old tablet. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure uh, 
I think she's just a freelancer at the moment. I think she just did a couple of matches, it seems like. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it just yeah. says that she's done she did a couple of matches um losing yeah. to Hikaru Shida and then losing on Dark a few times. Oh, all wish right, her all the best. Fine. Yep. Oh, awesome. she's on um Wow. That's where she signed. Where? Wow. Women's of women are wrestling. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep. Okay, good for her. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully they actually end up existing. Because every time that dude that promotes for him tries he tries to start up a new women's promotion every bloody five to ten years ever since he started Glow. Yeah. Because it's the same guy that started Glow. And yeah, every five to ten years he pops up with a new women's promotion. It ends up like being a women's promotion where they're booking women like they're still in the 80s and it's a massive failure and they shut within six months. So good luck to them. Yeah, yeah, I hope they do well. Uh, even just for the, the talent's sake there. Your yeah. co-main event for the Impact World uh, Tag Team Championship was... The Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, accompanied ringside by Chris Bay, your defending champions, taking on Violent by Design team members Eric Young and Joe Doring with Dina ringside. Do you know what Violent by Design even stands for? Well, it was the whole thing. Like, it was all part of Eric's plan and all of his design and shit like that. Why do I feel like this is just sanity light? Oh, it's a hundred percent that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's all right. Um, we're mm. violent by design. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's not aces and eights yet. I was just gonna say, uh, is there any way of me being able to insert a GIF into a podcast, and that gift would be? That gif would be Chris Hem Chris Hemsworth saying, "Is it though?" <laughs> From Thor Ragnarok, like, come on, man, uh, is it really <laughs> Ragnarok? Speaking of, who is worthy enough to pick up Milnir? <laughs> Definitely not Joe Fucking Doring. <laughs> the fucking state of you, mate. Oh boy. Um, yeah, Violet by Design wins here, making Eric Young, I think, the only person to win both the Impact World Tag Team Championship and the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Um, wow. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, shit. I'm, I'm just... Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> Well, he was already, he's already been an Impact World ch Champions, uh, World Tag Team Champions, so holy shit. Do you want to see the people that he's held Impact <laughs> World Tag Team titles with? Uh, let me guess. Okay. Team Canada at one point? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, well then go on, I've got no idea. Okay, so the... The first time Violent by Design had it, technically he was a holder too because they were doing Freebird rules. So that means 
Dana, Joe Doring, and Rhino fall under his former world tag team title partners. And then there was an uh there was apparently a time where he held the title with Kaz with Frankie Kazarian. I do not oh. remember that at all. Um and then there was another time he held the tag titles under Freebird rules, which was with who could ever forget when you think of famous uh, trios in wrestling, you think of Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Eric Young. <laughs> the band. Yep, because does anyone remember in 2010 where Eric Young got betrayed by Kevin Nash? So Kevin Kevin Nash was like teaming with Eric Young, and then he turned on Eric Young to join Scott Hall and Sean Waltman in the band. But then Eric Young grabbed a partner, I can't remember who it was, and Eric Young turned on that partner to join the person that just turned on him in the band. So the the dude that just turned on him, he decided to, like, turn to be on the same side as. And Eric... And that, like, a few months later, Eric Young was, like... I don't know, the band sort of slowly disappeared and then Eric Young started World Elite. Yep, there was an elite in wrestling before... Omega and the Bucks. <laughs> World Elite? Yeah. It was like oh. a... It was a stable... It had fucking Sonata in it at one point, I think. No, it wasn't Sonata. It was someone else. They had a, Sonata's a, TNA fiend, though. Banger. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, there was a... I can't remember who it was, but there was a Japanese wrestler involved, and there was... Uh, so- there was the British Invasion were in it as well. My God, I've got to Google it. i got to Google okay. it. My God, we've gone so off the rails, but yeah. Um, my God. We like it, stable. Eric Young. I think that's what we pull out of this. Yeah, it's just, all right. So the Japanese wrestler was a dude called Kyoshi. Do you have any remembrance of him anywhere? Uh, not really. He was basically another, like, Japanese guy that Impact brought in to be a, a version of Great Muda. Because, like, they just did that with, like, uh. you're you're either going to be Okado or you're going to be Great Muda Light. Like, they did it with Sonata as well. Um, Sonata uh, was because James Storm told him to be the yeah. Great Sonata. yeah. Wasn't that around uh, the time he pushed Mickey James on the train tracks? Yeah, yeah. Fucking um, <laughs> like TNA. Doug Williams, Doug Williams, Brutus Magnus, okay. Kyoshi, Homicide. Ooh. Yeah, Homicide was in this. Um, Sheikh Abdul Bashir, Sean Davari, for those wondering. Terrible TNA theme. Yeah. Uh, Rob Terry and, of course, the other evil foreigner, Kevin Nash. 
So Nash is their leader then? No, Eric Young was. Kevin Nash was like, like he was a part of it for a bit, but he was like an advisor. Oh, so he's like what he was to the natural born thrillers for like two weeks. Yeah, yeah, or like what he was to like Alex Shelley and Paparazzi Productions. That's a way back callback for anyone. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah. This match um, was what it was. Yeah. No. This. We spent way too much time talking about someone in a match that sucked on this pay-per-view. Um, yeah. Uh, Eric Young, tag champ. Cool. I'm fine with Eric Young holding titles in Impact because, like, he's pretty much the last original they have left, right? Hmm. It'd be him... I mean, Saban is still there, I guess. So the yeah. guns sort of are still there. Like Alex yeah, Shelley, Alex Shelley's not with Impact, but Chris Saban is. Oh, is Shelley gone again? Yeah, Shelley, Shelley hasn't been on for like a year now. Oh, I thought he was just injured. No, no, because he's been doing JCW shows. Like he's been oh. doing a run of JCW shows for the past started like six months ago and I was like hang on I thought he was injured why isn't he on impact yeah apparently he just left Alex Shelley is gonna do Alex Shelley things I no because he's on this card tonight because Jay White defeats him match well, eight he... of the night yeah but he hadn't been on for like six months but yeah, he hadn't been on for like a year. Yeah, yeah, um, he, and he's been wrestling for the last six months, and he hadn't been like, um, yeah, because Saban had Saban had to like vacate the tag titles because Alex Shelley got injured. But then, like a few months later, Alex Shelley's just working the indies. And this was the first time Alex Shelley was on Impact ever since. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, main event, Moose defending the Impact World Championship against Heath. Yeah, it was a good little match. Uh, it wasn't um, pay-per-view main event worthy. No, and this isn't a pay-per-view. As much as they try to make you think it is, it's not. It's a premium live event. It's a fucking... You pay 10 bucks a month to watch Impact Plus or whatever. This is the thing you get. Um, Thank you for being subscribed to us. Here's your bonus show. Yeah, here. um, Here, watch Heath Slater have a main event run. Uh, It was all right. It was probably the best Heath Slater match I can think of, besides his obvious... Besides his obvious five-star classic against Sid Vicious on Raw in 2012, but that's neither here or here nor there. Um, Did that really get five stars? No. It should have. Yeah, well, I gave it five stars. <laughs> oh, My, man. Uh, how many beers for uh, the sacrifice? Well... Probably should mention Josh Alexander came out after the main event and announced oh, that yeah. he's re-signed with Impact and he's coming after Moose. So that's good. 
Impact's actually able to hold on to one fucking up, like rising star that they have that they've built up, instead of every time they build someone up, they fuck off. Which has uh, happened ever since TNA started. Um, but yep. yeah, um, I'll probably give this a two and a half to be honest. It's like overall. I'll forget this show even happened in a month's time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I found it fine. Um, it was what it was. It was cool to see Timiel finally get a championship, even if it is just a tag team championship with Madison Rain. Yeah. And Jonah getting a win over PCO and the whole on a no more thing sort of is just losing a lot of their matches except Eddie Edwards who's their leader. Yeah. Um yeah, this this is free beers for me. It it's great. There's nothing on here I'd highly recommend to go and check. Maybe the Jay White Alex Shelley match, but other than that, there's not really a lot to go and check out. It's like, yeah, if you got the time, chuck it on because it's for free anyway. Yeah, definitely. Uh did you make time for AEW, yeah, I suppose we can sort of talk about this either now or after the pay-per-view, but what do you think next is next for Ring of Honor? I think this is the halfway house between Dark and Elevation and Rampage and Dynamite. Like, if Dark and Elevation are like your 205 Live level up, um, main event sort of category shows and Dynamite and Rampage of Raw and SmackDown. Essentially, yep. I think Ring of Honor is going to be black and gold NXT. So it's going to be everything that uh, NXT took from Ring of Honor, they're just going to take and put back in there, kind of. Kind of. It's just... <laughs> It's going to be to Dynamite what NXT was to Roar and SmackDown. Uh, I think that would be the best way to do it. So your Moriarty's of the world and your Jay Lethal's and, you know, those people they've signed that aren't necessarily getting a lot of screen time but aren't necessarily... At least on TV. Yeah, and aren't necessarily, like, 100% ready for a lot of screen time. Um, they could benefit a lot from a Ring of Honor. Like, yep. e- even, like, people like your Sean Spearses of the world and stuff like that would be great for it. And honestly, if I was Tony Khan, I would... This is somewhat fantasy booking, but I would uh, sign Cesaro to be the number one guy in Ring of Honor. Like, have him be the Walter to Ring of Honor's NXT UK. Like, he's the final boss. Yeah, that sounds real good. Yeah, that's what I would do with Cesaro, because I can actually see Cesaro getting lost in the shuffle if he shows up on Dynamite, the more I think about it. So... Yeah, well, where's Jay Lethal been recently? Where's half of these other last big signees 
or announcements been for the uh, past month or two? Yeah, and that, that's why that's why I think like Ring of Honor is going to be really helpful for that problem. Yeah, like, yeah, it's going to really help like get some of these people exposure. Like, I can see tag teams like Top Flight like just killing it at Ring of Honor. Like stuff like that, you know, like um, even your Brock Andersons and Shoddy Lee Johnsons and stuff like that. Like that that's a good place for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You'd be good. Uh, and then Go like, on. yeah, then every once in a while you bring in a Brian Danielson or you bring in a Sam Punk or, or someone with a history of, to Ring of Honor, like... You bring in the young bucks, like I mean, you can pretty much just throw a uh, blindfold yourself, spin spin around, and throw a dart at the AEW roster, and you're gonna hit someone that's been in Ring of Honor, like yeah. pretty pretty much like mostly everyone has. At least eighty percent of yeah. them stopped in there or were signed from there. Yeah. Yeah, like, especially in the main event scene, I mean, yeah, the Revolution main event was a Ring of Honor match in every aspect. Um, Yeah, like, I think this is the number one benefit about this is that Tony Khan has the Ring of Honor library. And I'm excited to see what service he's going to bring out yeah well at the moment honor club's still around because i'm still signed up to it um because i have a review was it no rewind away coming out in two weeks i'm going to be a guest on there super card of honor 2017 Hardys versus Young Bucks, Ladder War, main event. Go watch it. Anyhow. Oh, I mean, uh, that's a very timely review, to be honest. <laughs> yes, I mean, that was, uh, that was the Hardys' last match before going to the WWE. Oh, boy. Yes, <laughs> I can be current and topical sometimes. <laughs> yeah, very now, good. Uh, it, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens to Ring of Honor. Because he's uh, Tony Khan has stated he owns this solely and it's separate from AEW itself. But the most important thing is WWE were bidding for this, and they got told no. And I, like side note here just for a second, AEW by proxy of Tony Khan have the rights to that All In show now. Yeah, that's but, that's huge. Go on. That's monumental, dude. Because that all-in show is why this company exists. And I, I would strongly believe that that show is as much as any reason as to why Tony Khan went hard after the Ring of Honor thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we're seeing this happen so many times. WWE trying to go after another company. They went after Ring of Honor. They got told no. They went after... Uh, Shimmer, I think it was in the US, and got told no. They went after Impact and got told no. They've gone after uh, Stardom 
in Japan and got told no. They went after DDT and got told no. They went after Noah and got told no. Yeah, because the company they're trying to buy from isn't just going to let WWE just let their promotion become another un unclicked tab on their app. Like, promotions get added to it with absolutely no fanfare and no, like, promotion, like, not even a mention on their TV show. Like, besides when you're actually watching a pay-per-view, they barely even mention they have the app anymore or Peacock or whatever. Like, yeah. It, if your company isn't completely dead, why would you sell it to WWE? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I remember, I think it was Melter saying, now the most valuable tape library outside of your WWE, your AEW, your Impact, that's not owned by like one of those sort of companies now, is the ECW house show tape library from 94 to 2001. For some reason, WWE doesn't own that. Yeah, yeah. There's I think a... that that's owned by, like, RF Video, like Rob Feinstein, I'm pretty sure. Mm, yeah. Yeah, the guy that does the shoot interviews back in the day. <laughs> like, uh, as a wrestling fan, we've all watched an RF Video bloody shoot interview at some point or another. Cornette! <laughs> Dude. Couldn't. The best. Yeah. The best the... shoot interviews. <laughs> when he's talking and then all of a sudden, I don't know which company it's for. And, and then, then all of a sudden, he, he New mainly... Jack walked in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he mainly did a company called Kayfabe Commentaries. That's the and, one. Yes. And they, they were the best ones. And, like, a lot of them are up for free on in full on YouTube now. And they're the best ones, man. Oh, my God. There's, like, a guest booker series they did where they had Jim Cornette rebook the WCW-ECW invasion. Oh, that is so good. Yeah, it's so good. If 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 that's for free for full on YouTube, we might have to review it one of these days because his big grand idea for WrestleMania fucking 17 or whatever it was, was Undertaker in a match against Terry Funk. Terry Funk. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, But it is time for your main event of the weekend. (laughs) You ready for a revolution Baby, yeah. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> it's always going to be revolution. Revolution. pay for you. Oh, that's right. Revolution. Re- revolution is a mystery. No. Not a change that no one sees. Rap, 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 rap. It, it's a pay-per-view where everyone bleeds. <laughs> Just Revolution. Oh, man. Um, so we kick things off here on uh, the buy-in with legit Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander 
goes about 10 minutes with uh, Layla Hirsch picking up the victory via pinfall. Perfect. Good. I think Chris Statlander's lost a lot of momentum and you got to strike while the iron's hot with Layla Hirsch. Yeah. Uh, um, moving on. Yeah. No, just a really good match. Uh, I've watched this entire pre-show. Like, this was as good an hour as any of the hours during the pay-per-view, to be honest. Like, just yeah. top-tier shit. I also noticed, um, I don't know if they did for the last pay-per-view, but they've started, um, I noticed last year the um, buy-in used to be the first half hour was the um, countdown special and then the extra half hour of the buy-in was the actual, we're live here and here's an interview and here's one match, okay, let's go to the pay-per-view. Mm. So now they're doing an actual bit more in that hour pre-show. Yeah, but it still feels really important, and I regretted not going back and watching uh, the countdown because I'm used to having that uh, at the start now. So I'll have to do that going forward. Watch the uh, countdown after Rampage. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think this is the point during the pre-show where Kenny Omega's music hits. Are you ready for this? Dun, 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 dun. And the crowd just fucking lost it. And then out comes Don Callis. It was perfect. <laughs> it is just like a, just cut, cuts a heel promo on the crowd. Just reminding everyone of the existence of Kenny Omega, which was smart. Yeah, I thought this was a, a much better way to do this than we'd uh, see the next night. Yeah. Uh, a tease of music, but you're also getting something from it as well. Uh, yeah. John Callis just basically saying that he and Kenny will be back when Kenny's ready. Yeah. Because he, uh, because Kenny broke his soul for all you people that didn't even appreciate it. It's great. <laughs> oh, and he goes on to make a, a little comment about the uh, Red Dragon being a faction inside a faction. You know what we call that? We call that a sleeper cell. <laughs> I did like that comment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sowing the uh, the seeds of doubt in there, no, no doubt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, main event of the uh, the buy-in here saw the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews versus Puck, Penta Oscaro, and that's Eric Redbeard. Yeah. Um, oh. Sure. <laughs> yeah. How badass did the House of Black look coming out? They've all got the antler mask things and yeah. Like even Buddy's wearing like all black now. Like yeah, they all just look badass. They look like monsters. And I swear to God, Buddy Matthews, he's just as wide as he is tall now. <laughs> like he is jacked. Like, insanely He's been here in the gym on those extra days off. I mean, it's not a secret to Buddy Matthews what a fucking gym is, that's for sure. <laughs> that's a yeah. secret no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, really good match. Uh, I sort of work over everyone here. I thought this was a, a pretty good six-man tag, although at points it does break down into the AEW formula, formula of 
I don't know who the hell's legal, just going in hip moves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, good tag match. Um, yeah, thumbs up from me. Yeah, big thumbs up for me. It was a good start for Buddy Matthews in AEW. Uh, he oh, yeah, is what... this was his debut as well, I forgot to mention. Yeah, uh, he, he is a guy I'm worried about getting lost in the shuffle, to be honest. But there are rumours floating around that Trio's titles are going to come... Uh, they're on their way for when Kenny Omega returns. Ooh. So, so I'm thinking like Cole and Red Dragon, Kenny and the Bucks. Then you got House of Black. You got Death, Death Triangle. Death Triangle. You know any incarnation of like Team Taz or Best uh, Friends. Best Friends. Like there's uh, a, a lot. Of, Dark Order. There's lots of groups like the Andrade family office, I guess. Uh, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Like, yeah, there's lots you can do with it. So I think that would be great. I think that's desperately needed. And uh, yeah. You know where Tony can get six man tag belts from, though, don't you? I mean, Ring of Honor's definitely got him. Is it still on Shane Taylor promotions? Probably. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah we, so did, for... we did forget to mention Hook defeated QT Marshall. Um, I mean, it's QT Marshall. Yeah, and it's just like, you don't need to put Hook there in there against any name at the moment. It's just like, the fact that you're seeing Hook is as much of a pop as anything. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hawk, and he's got Taz on commentary during it, which, um, God, such a proud father moment, I'm guessing, for him. Is yeah. it Hawk's first pay-per-view match, technically? Yeah. I mean, if pre-show counts, yeah. Yeah, that's why I said technically. Yeah, it, it is, yeah. I don't think he's even had a match uh, that wasn't on Rampage yet. Like, all of his matches have been on Rampage, not even Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. So this is a good way, I guess, to uh, introduce him to the wider audience who hasn't watched uh, Rampage as much. Yeah. Uh, So we kick things off with the singles match of Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston, this going 1340. Uh, I'll let you take the floor for this one, Alex. Uh, I have been as critical as anyone about Chris Jericho in AEW, especially the last year. I'm pretty sure I gave him my worst wrestler of the year last year. It was like him and Cody I gave it to, I think, were my co-winners. Yeah. Um, And honestly, the last few months I've noticed... Okay, he's changing a little bit. And then, like, this last, like, three weeks is just instantly shredded. He looks, like, 15 years younger all of a sudden. And then this match happens, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this was Chris Jericho's best match since Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. This was... And if that's not a fact, I mean, I, 
If that's not a fact, I will at least stand by the statement it was Chris Jericho's best AEW match. Yeah, I was going to say it's his best AEW match since his since the match to crown the um the first AEW champion with Hangman. Yeah, yeah, I I would say like he hasn't. I would say, in my opinion, this is his best match since leaving WWE. But that's just me. It's undoubtedly, for me, his best AEW match. Um, it's without a shadow of a doubt the best match he's had in like two, three years, or two years at least. Like since he lost the title, no doubt, best match he's had. Um, yeah. This was like a classic 90s, like old Japan wrestling match, like straight out of the gate, half and half suplex, Jericho's neck just crumbles. Like this was a fight. This was like a 90s Japanese, like just strong style fight. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed this match. Um, Like I said, it going, 1340, and Eddie Kingston getting the win here by submission, just continuing to work over Jericho's uh, neck here, just cranking on it. Yeah, and getting the uh, Kawada-style stretch plum submission win. Um, and the whole story leading into this match was Eddie Kingston can't win the big, big one, but if he does, Chris Jericho will shake his hand. And at the and... end of the... At the end of the match, uh, Chris Jericho does not shake Eddie Kingston's hand. And I thought that was brilliant, honestly. And it felt like this entire match, Jericho was slowly turning heel. And yeah. And, we're, and then, Go on. yeah, we move on to Dynamite later on in the week and we pretty much had that solidified. But, yeah, um... This was a surprise. I was surprised as anyone that this was opening the show. But after it happened, I was like, fuck, that was the perfect opener. You wouldn't have thought it would be. You would have thought, oh, maybe you open it up with like the tag team triple threat or something like that. But no, you open it up with these two guys, like a bit older in years, but they just let him go out there and just drop each other on their head for 10 minutes. And that'll fire everyone up. Yep. Fair enough. Um, speaking of which, the freeway tag team championship, uh, was it AEW world tag team championship match that saw Jurassic express jungle boy and Lichasaurus, the champions versus red dragon, Bobby fish and Kyle Riley also versus the young bucks. Matt and Nick Jackson. Uh, this goes 18.55. I was not a fan of this match because the referee's telling him, ah, two men at a time, so one team's always going to be on the outside, you know, and they'll walk, work their way over to their corner and someone might tag themselves in sort of thing like we've seen in WWE in the past in uh, triple threat tag teams or four-way tag team matches. Yeah. But then it gets but, to a point with every Young Bucks match where it's just everyone in the refs just looking around going, okay. Yeah, well, referee's got to... Like, here's the thing, though. There's no disqualifications in any triple threat match. So what does it matter? Yeah, then why are they waiting? Why is this not Tornado so, then? 
So the only reason why it made sense to do it like this is because it really helped tell the story of the slow, like, dissension between the Young Bucks and Red Dragon. Like, because the fact that only two people were allowed in the ring at the same time really helped tell the story of, like, the Young Bucks and Red Dragon slowly getting frustrated each at each other for not tagging each other into the match. Oh, come on, let us in. And, like, oh, it's bullshit. And they start arguing and all that. I think that's the main reason why they did it one-on-one in the ring. Yeah, I just found it clunky. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not taking away anything from the, the participants in the match. They all worked their ass off. They were all amazing. It's, like, really athletic to watch and everything, and everything's done really well. Yeah. Like, the moves are executed well. It's just, it's not my cup of tea. Like, either have a, if you're going to have the referee enforcing tag rules at your start of your match, then everyone's in the ring, like, for the last five minutes. It's sort of just, like, what's the point of them having to do tags in a championship match then? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, <clears throat> going going into this match, I knew what it was going to be. It was going to be a crazy spot fest, no matter what the fucking rules are. And I just took it for that, and I, I thought it was fun. Uh, Jungle Boy hit his shooting star, star press at one point, which we've never seen out of him before, I don't think. So that yeah. was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I thought this was, like, if the the first match of this pay-per-view proper was an All Japan 90s match, this was, and that was, like, straight out of, like, Corican Hall or whatever. This one's straight out of Reseda, California. This is, like, straight out of PWG yeah. in, like, 2013 or something. Like, yeah, this is a PWG match. And that's what I noticed on this card is the variety of every match. And I appreciate that. Yeah, that's fair enough, too. Following that is the face of the revolution ladder match for a future AEW TNT championship match that sees Christian Cage, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Ricky Starks competing. I what enjoyed a, this what, match. What a fucking match. Yeah. What a I love fucking match. The Christian's at the point in his career where he's not doing crazy shit off the ladder. You know what as I loved, much? You know Don't. what I loved about this match is that at the very start of the match, everyone's focused on trying to get the first hit in on each other. And Christian's just like, I've done a million of these. I'm just going to sprint outside right now and just grab a ladder. And he grabs the ladder and immediately starts beating down the three biggest guys in the match with the ladder. And Christian's the guy that introduces the ladder into the match because he's done enough of these. And he knows, like, what's the point in wasting time in the ring when the ladder's not there? Like, just showing that he's experienced. It was great. Um like, there was that really cool spot at one point with, like, the three hosses in the ring and uh, they're, like, playing tug-of-war over a ladder and Orange Cassidy basically skims the cat up on top of him trying to climb up these hosses trying to reach the ring. Like, fucking amazing shit. Um, uh, at one point, I think it's 
Orange is like sort of straddling the ladder and there's two people lifting it up. Yeah, and then it's yeah. Like, oh, okay. I'll just grab it now. So they sort of drop it back down. Yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's the spot I was trying to explain poorly. Um, yeah, it was just incredible. Um, there, there was a few times, though, where it felt like, oh, Wardlow could climb up the ladder and win right now, but he's decided to go outside to beat up people. Yep. There was a couple of moments like that that I didn't necessarily appreciate because it's like you could clearly win right now. Just There's no one in the ring. Just go in there. But, um, yeah, some crazy spots like, my God, Keith Lee launching Orange Cassidy outside with the big beal onto a bunch of people, but Orange Cassidy kind of overshot it and it looked like Orange Cassidy sort of uh, injured himself, which apparently he did. Uh, spoiler okay. alert. Uh, he comes out in on Dynamite in a cast, so... In a sling, so yeah, Chelsea Gray not the only one hurting their arm over the weekend, unfortunately. But Orange Cassidy doing the thumbs up in a sling that works. Um, yeah, yeah. Wardlow, Wardlow getting the win here, grabbing the giant, giant Sonic ring, and it is not the last. Um, ring situation for Wardlow this evening. No, as we'll get to in a a little bit. But um I really enjoyed this match. Uh the gimmick is what it is. It's like everyone made fun of it last year and now we're just like, yeah, okay, this is a thing now. Yeah, we accept it now. Um yeah, so we've had a all Japan match, a PWG match, and this was like this was like a two thousand and five like WWE money in the bank ladder match style match. Like you've getting all Paid sorts money of... in the bank. Yeah, yeah. This is like where it's all like fun and exciting and you don't know what's gonna happen or you don't fully know what to expect. It's like that era. And yeah, like once again, we're getting all sorts of different flavors throughout this pay-per-view. So following that Match number seven of the night saw Tay Conti with Anna Jay and Negative One accompanying her out of the uh, entrance. Yeah. Uh, challenging for the AEW TBS Championship against Jay Cargill, the undefeated champion who has Smart Mark Sterling in her corner. Uh, did you catch what Jade was wearing? Uh, some form of Mortal Kombat cosplay thingy. But she came out, I was more focused on the dude shredding guitar for her entrance. My God, that dude was just going nuts. Yeah, uh, they said on commentary, I didn't catch his name, I don't have it written down, but he's the actual guitarist um, from yeah. Jade's entrance music. Yeah, oh my God, she came out and looked like a mega star, man. Is uh, she the only one with live music this pay-per-view? Uh, this pay-per-view, yes. I think the last pay-per-view, Britt Baker had a guitarist. It was like the lead guitarist from Fozzy played Britt Baker out to the ring. Oh, that's, yeah. No, don't, it, don't hire and it, Fozzy. And it sucked, but yeah. Um, this guy. Hi, this guy again. Yeah, yeah, dude. 
it gave me true like bb king vibes like like just this big dude like just soulfully just like shredding away on the guitar it was amazing i could watch that dude play like all day long but like as you know i'm a guitarist and i just really appreciated that it was amazing and uh i thought this was jade cargill's best match yeah i'd, I'd agree with that um at points here, I thought Tay was going to win. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Jade here pulling out the win after the Jaded again. So um, to continue my different flavours of ice cream sort of analogy here, uh, different flavours different flavors of wrestling, this was totally a 2008 TNA knockouts match. This was Gal Kim versus Awesome Kong for sure. Yep. Uh, do we dare go <laughs> to your flavors for the pre-show here? I'm guessing you're going to say it's very uh, Goldberg, what they're doing with Hook at the moment. You could say that, or you could just flat out say it was like 1996 Taz. <laughs> um, what about the trio's House of Black versus um, Park Penta, Oscaro, and Eric Redbeard? I would say that was like a... um. That was like a like ACW like cluster F like six man like the gangsters versus the baldies sort of actually no no I'll save that for later that's totally a match that's happening later this was like a um like a 2005 Noah clusterfuck actually now that I think about it like the hard strikes then you got your power spot from a big dude. Yeah, this was like 2005 Noah. Okay, and your like undercard. Opener, yeah. opener on the pre-show, Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander. I would say, like, because they've got a lot of potential, but they're not quite there yet. It's like NXT, like, 2012, like, women's division. Ah, very good. So we are going <laughs> here, there, and everywhere at the moment. Uh, again, Jade retaining her tbs championship they make a point of it on uh dynamite this week where jade mentions that uh this will be her 30th match coming up on rampage and uh issues an open challenge for somebody uh we may find out on social media or we may find out uh friday if we're not reading rampage spoilers i'm hoping someone on the roster accepts it and then after the match uh ember moon shows up we need a we need her. Uh, Athena? Athena, yeah. Yeah, we need her in AEW. Badly. Yeah. Stop, stop signing dudes. We need some more women. Yeah, yeah. Sign. Sign Tony Storm. Yeah, do that. When she gets uh, back, sign her. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's doing a, a academy session at Free Camp soon. She's just down the road from you, mate. <laughs> Yeah, only a few hours. Uh, match number eight of the night was MJF versus CM Punk. And first we hear Cult of Personality. Cut. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Like, the way they cut it, it's like, it's a Cult of Person. Then MJF's music hits. Like, just as Dude. they're getting... <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, yeah. Like MJF's bloody, like, um, Law and Order knockoff theme song. Um, <laughs> like, okay. His, his theme song's, like, straight out of, like, a um, police sitcom or drama or something from, like, the late 80s or something. Anywho, like, the way they waited for the chorus to just hit before they played MJF's music, that was perfect. I loved that so much. Yeah, so MJF comes out in his, uh, uh, what is it, plaid, I think they refer to it as, not tartan. Uh, uh, it's, it's Burberry is the official name because that is the um, brand of the scarf he wears and that's the signature Burberry pattern. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Um yeah, his entrance gear is always just fucking hideous, but because it's MJF it kind of works. I like um in AEW how they have the four pay-per-views a year and everyone sort of who's at least on the pay-per-view or around this time you see a lot of people freshen up their entrance gear. Did you notice for this pay-per-view by the way? There was no babe there was no baby face or heel tunnel for this pay-per-view. Haven't they done that for a pay-per-view before as well? Maybe, maybe. But this one was, like, super noticeable. The stage was so much more different than any other. Like, there was, like, yeah. a weird, like, light wall thing as well on each side. I thought it looked fantastic. It's easily their best stage they've done. Um, I like it because it makes it look different from... Uh, TV. Yeah. It makes God. it look like a pay-per-view. What a, what a novel concept, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like you paid money to see something you couldn't see on TV. Crazy yeah. idea, that. Um, all right. Sam Punk comes out, man. Yep. Oh, my God. I don't know how much 2005 Ring of Honor you've seen in your time. I've seen a but, bit the past couple of weeks. But um, admittedly, when the first summer of punk happened, I went back and binged like pretty much his entire Ring of Honor career. And it took me a second to register the music I was listening to when the music hit here, and I just lost my mind, man. Like AFI's Miseria Cantari or however the fuck you pronounce it, but that AFI song hits, and I just, yeah, I was I was almost on the verge of tears. It had that much of an effect on me. And then out he comes in his full-on Ring of Honor gear, and not just that, he's wearing the exact, pretty much the exact gear that he wore in his dog collar match against Raven in Ring of Honor. Like Oh, it is too. The yeah. white the white uh, aesthetic gear, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the same it's the same shorts. The jacket's different. He had a but it's the jacket he was wearing was like the exact same style of jacket. They just changed up the logo a little bit. Instead of it having um a skull on the chest. It actually had a picture of his dog's face instead. Yeah, Larry, he 
he yeah, does Larry. put Larry in a in a lot of stuff. He uh, sort of sneaks it in like an Easter egg if you pay close attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Larry's just, oh, I love it. I love that he's like a millionaire and he only like chooses rescue dogs. Like humans, this is probably the only time I'll get to advocate for this, but never get a puppy, get a rescue dog. <laughs> Seriously. And is anyway. it one of yours a rescue dog? Yeah, one of mine is. Benji is, yeah. Yeah. Is your parents as well? Uh no, no. Uh. So I sort of became a rescue dog advocate like after I met Eliza and she had a rescue dog and now I sort of understand a bit more. Like my next dog, like whenever I get another one, there will be a rescue. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. man. Um anywho, wow. Um, this match, man, I loved every fucking thing about this match. I like how MJF tries to be the chicken shit heel to escape early and then yeah. forgets that he's tied up and then just does the exact so same thing again and forgets he's tied up again. And that thing CM Punk was doing where he wrapped the chain around the ring post and sort of used the chain around the ring post as like almost a conveyor belt to pull MJF into the corner. Yeah. Yeah, so good, man. There was just so many, like, innovative yet simple things they were doing. Punk and was then... wrapping it around his knee at points to um sort of do knee strikes on MJF. At one point, MJF dodges and Punk charges the uh, ring steps ringside. Yeah, and... It's hard to explain everything that happened in this match, but it's a both men are opened. <laughs> yeah, it's an absolute blood fest, and like we got to even mention from Dynamite, but like that was a nine out of ten on the Muda scale. <laughs> from... Oh, I forgot that scale exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a nine out of ten on the Muda scale for the Dynamite Blade job. So like, um, just quickly re- go revel- on. No, Revolution was at least a 9.5. What was uh, C- Cardona, sorry, in GCW? <laughs> My God. Oh, I mean, because he was pretty much head to toe covered in blood. I mean, that that had to be as close to a 10 as you could get, right? <laughs> like, he, he his, his white shirt was literally dark red. Like, there... <laughs> There wasn't a speck of white left on that shirt. Uh, um, but yeah, like this match was just amazing. Uh, this was a classic mid eighties territories bloody dog collar match. This is straight out of like like mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling or like Florida Championship Wrestling from the mid eighties. This is this is like as close to a Piper versus Valentine dog collar match as you can get. Like this was, this was territory wrestling, man. I loved it. Yeah, and yet another flavor. We're going for a Brody's thirty-one flavors of wrestling. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm doing this to illustrate that this had something for everyone on this show. Uh, uh going on from there. I really love that Sam Punk match, but if we keep talking about it, we'll be here all night. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll just talk about it at the end of year awards. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm calling my shot right now. Yeah, we're already uh, 
What's that? One sixth of the way through the year. <laughs> I mean, we're almost a quarter through it. Oh, almost. Geez, yeah. You put it like that. Yeah. Somebody's been keeping tabs and being a good boy, and the other person's just been a lazy asshole who hasn't started yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we go on to uh, our second last championship match of the night, match nine. It is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, the champion, uh, AEW World Women's Champion, sorry, with Jamie Hayter and Rebel Ringside defending against Thunder Rosa. Um, did you see this before on socials that there was a new championship belt? No, I didn't. Okay. So yeah, you were watching oh live, you said? Yeah, I was watching live. Okay. And, uh, yeah, the first time I saw it was when she came out with it, and I was just mind blown. This is easily that. Like, I think this is their best title now. I would say... This is just, like, spectacular looking. Uh, It looks like a real, like, world's championship, like, transported out of the 80s. It sort of takes those elements of the old... Somewhere sort of mid-South, Mid-South Wrestling North American Championship. I know exactly what you're talking about. That sort of looks like the the closest thing in modern wrestling would be the long Ring of Honor TV Championship. Sort of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Except this one was like silver on blue with red. Yeah. Mid-Atlantic, Mid-South, something like that. Yeah. I've seen this women's title described as the like... um, that Mid-South North American title had a baby with the JBL version of the WWE title. Oh, the Black Undisputed title. Yeah. Like, because of the colours on that WWE title, the pre-spinner post-Attitude Era title, um, the colours from that title mixed in with the shape of the Mid-South title. Yeah, I really like it. Uh, my lone criticism is going to be the same of every world title that Australia's just sort of smushed in there and poor New Zealand's forgotten about again. <laughs> I didn't even, yeah, I don't even bother looking at the Globes anymore. Um, yeah, I did say on the side plates, there's a little Easter egg on the side plates of these belts. Oh. So on the left side, I believe like looking at it. Yeah. You you see a woman on one of the side plates applying a submission hold. It is Britt Baker putting uh putting Hikaru Shida in the lockjaw. And then wow. on the on the right side is um Reho coming off the top rope with the cross body to Nyla Rose. Which if you recall that's the first four AEW Women's Champions. So it's Brit and... Brit and Shida. Yep. And... Riho. Riho and Nyla. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's like a really cool touch. I like this. And this being the third iteration of the the Women's Championship here. Yeah. uh, third, Third time's the charm. We went from the small one to a 
slightly larger women's title to now the, this one. The super small one that still kind of looked big on Reho. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, but then Nyla Rose had to carry that one around and it just looked like a belt buckle on her shoulder. Um, just, yeah, it was very interesting, that first one. They finally got it right, and, yeah, oh, I love it. Uh, this match, though, not the best. Not the no, best. but we uh, we sort of see why that is um, this week. So th- this is about telling a story and yeah. that's and that's why this match is 2014 give divas a chance era of uh women's wrestling where there's like one woman who really wants to have a go but then the other woman's just like ah oh, let's just tell the story. It's like Paige versus like Brie Bella. Free mode. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, oh, I really want to be a good wrestler. Now nah, let's just tell a story. And yeah. that's Thunder Rosa felt like she was uh, trying to tell a bomb. I uh, was trying to have a bomb burner of a match, but Brit's just like, let's just do the story. Yeah. Save it uh, for another day. Yeah, go on. So Brit here retaining after multiple interference from Jamie Hayter and Rebel on the outside. The numbers are too great for Thunder Rosa. Actually, you know what's a better comparison? This was a uh, 2021 New Japan main event. Evil? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the numbers yeah. on the outside. Yes. Yeah, this yeah, was Britt Baker's House of Torture. Like, fuck. <laughs> That's a dentist I don't want to go to. Yeah, this was uh, Evil versus Naito. Uh. Looks good on paper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, this is about telling the bigger story, and we're going to... I think I'd rather them do what they're going to do, to be honest. Like, just... Ha- ha- this match was, like, no matter how good it was, it was never going to steal the show on this pay-per-view. No. So why not just tell a story and then let them main event a dynamite like they're going to do? Yeah, absolutely. Match number 10 is a singles match between John Moxley and Brian Danielson. Um, who bleeds here? Uh, well, Moxley bleeds a lot. Then Danielson does a bit. <laughs> um, yep. After Mox said he won't team with anyone unless he bleeds with them first. So, uh, yeah. And my God, this was like... This was like... Um, as to, as like uh, I would say this was like a two thousand. What era is Enochism? Like that that Enochism uh, era. Three oh four. Yeah, yeah. That's like that. This match was like Enochism, New Japan, except wonderful. <laughs> Without sending our guys to. Uh, I mean, even. It even featured an old veteran slapping around the talent in the ring at the end. Um, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> He's and, a man. My God, I, man. I, I did not see this coming, and I never even thought about how well this fits, but it fits so fucking good. 
this could be my favorite thing in AEW right now. Like, if they just keep going on the path they're going on, this could easily be the best thing they do. My so, God. William Regal comes out, slaps both guys, and then sort of leaves. <laughs> and we find out more on Dynamite. Yeah, he, like, makes them shake hands and then leaves. And, like, oh, my God, when he got up in Moxley's face and, like, slaps Moxley, and then Moxley wants to fight him, and William Regal just just pushes his head into Moxley's bloody head, and William Regal just has this great big blood smear down his face. It was just like, oh, oh, William Regal's back, baby. This isn't like the dude that's a one-liner talking about a double ring cage match. This okay. is, this is like, this is like Lord Stephen Regal if I ever saw it. Like this is that dude all over again. And I think the most surprising part about this, for me, was the fact that he's still William Regal. Um. Yeah, maybe because he's been there for so long, he brought the um. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, because like when he was in WCW, he was Lord Stephen Regal. His yeah, real name. That. His real name's like Darren Matthews or something like that. Darren something rather. Okay. Um. Yeah. So the fact that he got William Regal was surprising to me, but um happy with it <laughs> yeah although i wouldn't have minded if he showed up as lord stephen regal on dynamite today like shivani called him your lordship and i sort of popped oh, for I it <laughs> i loved it so much yeah um because that's yeah that's just like how all the interviewers used to call him like main gene and be like your lordship yeah but um really yeah, good just, just call him Lord William Regal. Um, It'll probably be one of those little things that Shivani keeps, like, um, with everyone else, he has these little little nods yeah. to the past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so good, like how he calls Paul White, Big G. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, really great match, man. This was spectacular. Moxley yeah. getting the win here, and... um. So excited for these two to be a tag team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're they're winning the tag titles at the next pay per view because these two are just with William Regal. What a fascinating act! Just so cool. From there, we go to our co-main event of the evening. It is Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting. Take on the Andrade Hardy family offers Andrade Ali Delo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Casti with Jose the assistant ringside in a six man tornado tag team match where Sting did a hell of a lot of shit I didn't think he was going to do in 2022. Yeah, uh, my fucking God. Um, this was the match I was like, why the fuck is this even happening? Hang on, what a minute. Wait a minute, why the fuck is this on the main card, but Buddy Matthews and the House of Black isn't on the main card? What the fuck? Oh, I'd rather see Hook on the main card than this bullshit. Oh my god, this might have been like my second favorite thing on the entire show. 
My yeah. God. Uh, yeah, we just went from an Enochism match with Moxley and Danielson to, yeah, we're, we're in fucking 1997 ACW watching New Jack dive off a balcony match. Pretty much. And Sting is playing the role of New Jack. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, grab a piece of paper. Sting versus New Jack in fucks. But we continue. Oh, oh my shit. God. Did I just give that away? You might. Oh, my God. Yeah. You... Hang on. Uh, hang on. Uh, what's the time? No, no, no. No. Um, um, no, year three, it will happen, humans. <laughs> year three, I guarantee it. There. Okay. I can edit that out. Sorry. Anyhow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sting continuing to have better matches with people from WWE in AEW than Triple H. Uh, we've seen Billy Gunn. <laughs> yeah. Now Matt Hardy. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Uh, I guess Taz's assistance. <laughs> uh, s- someone pointed this out to uh, on Twitter. Uh, Sting has had like class, like best matches in a promotion. With guys like Ric Flair, he had like David Flair's best match of his career, and he's oh, now had yeah. he's now had Andrade's best AEW match. Like he's just the Flair family's just always looked after by Sting. <laughs> like Flair, Flair's <laughs> son, Flair's son-in-law, <laughs> like. Like oh next next yeah. next thing you know uh, double or nothing next pay per view Sting versus Conrad Thompson five star classic <laughs> like it's the only other son of Ric Flair he hasn't had a match oh, with it's like the Hatfields and McCoys it's just <laughs> going to continue on down the generations it'll be Sting's stepson Darby <laughs> Allen and Andrade oh <laughs> uh, gosh uh, yeah this goes the way you think it does with uh. Ninety percent sure it was Matt Hardy taking the pin. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, and who it, got the pin? Uh, Darby did. Um, yeah, it was a. He like barely hit the coffin drop too. He kind of missed it, but that's okay. Um, it's yeah, like as soon as we saw Matt Hardy getting pinned, I think like everyone knew what was going to happen on Dynamite, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I like, um, oh, where was I? I like that, uh, this, you could see this coming as soon as the, uh, the pairing of the Andrade Hardy family offers, and you could see the sort of differing in, uh, styles, and then this happens. So it's, it's been sort of what I'd refer to as sort of short, uh, storytelling, but it's been done well. Yeah, it's been great. It's been really well done. As much as I never gave a fuck about the Hardy family office. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, I never have to hear that song again. I assume it's going to be so good. Oh man. Um, side tangent. They got the fucking music. I'm so happy, man. Anyway, uh, it's now time for the main event, or at some point in in between one of these matches, we should probably 
talk about this. Tony Schiavone brings out uh, the newest signee, uh, Shane Swerve Strickland. Your Who's boy. House? Swerve's house, baby. Swerve, uh, bro. Yeah, so um, the cousin of a podcast that I... Uh, <laughs> The host of the former host of RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk, his cousin is Swerve. I always oh. bring that up, but yeah, yeah. And now that guy that used to host RBR is on. The, he's like making music for AEW on that uh, playlist, that album that AEW just released for Black History Month. Fucking awesome, man! Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, so. William Washington, keep an eye out on that, humans. Um, but anyway, Swerve. Oh, man, the bangers he could have. And he is severely underrated on the mic. And he's just so naturally charismatic. He just looks cool, man. Do you <laughs> remember what they set up for uh, Rampage? Yeah, Tony Nese. I mean, Tony Nese is another guy that falls into the thank fuck they bought ROH category. <laughs> I like, mean, what's his I name? Mean, um, former TNA bromance guy, uh, Mr. Pectacular. Oh, Jesse Goddard? Yes, hire him to be Tony Nese's coach mentor uh, sting to his Darby. Oh my god, that no. Tony Nice is ripped. <laughs> have you seen Tony Nice without facial hair? I, was, I remember seeing him way back in the day without facial hair. He looks exactly no. he looks exactly like you left Chris Masters in the dryer for too long. So you're so, saying sent him to NWA on a working agreement? Uh, bring, in, bring in Chris Masters, motherfucker. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm keen for a Chris Masters AEW run. I don't know if anyone else is, but yeah. Master Life Challenge. <laughs> yep. Uh, anywho, uh, Swerve, great signing. This is a star for the future. This is a guy they don't need to push right away. They can just slowly build him over time. It'll be interesting to see where he lands, considering... Wasn't it the last pay-per-view where Jay Lethal was signed? Yeah, that's the worry. And where's Jay Lethal been? He went to the Ring of Honor pay-per-view and then he's been on sort of dark and elevation since. Yeah, I, I think Swerve is a bigger signing than Jay Lethal. No, no offense. Yeah. It's just a lot more upside. Less years behind him than in front of him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, so it's time for the main event. Um, yeah. Adam Cole, Hangman Page. Adam Cole comes out looking like a giant fucking nerd. Um, an absolute dweeb. I hated that entrance. And then he forgot which side the hard cam was on. <laughs> um, yeah. Is it just a pay-per-view that the hard camp's on the other side tonight? Oh, like, certain arenas, like, it's just the way the arena's laid out, I guess. And he did sort of improvise on the spot and quickly still turned around to do the boom on time, which was fine. But I hated his entrance gear. It just looked so stupid, like, wearing that ha- halo ship but still having the trunks on. It just looked like... 
it just looked like Master Chief just like accidentally forgot to put his pants on when he left the house. <laughs> <laughs> this is um this would be great. Oh, what is it? Red versus blue on Rooster Teeth content. <laughs> oh, someone remembers. Yeah, fuck, that's a callback. Um, shit. Uh, my goodness. Anywho. Uh, it's a puma. <laughs> <laughs> fuck me. Um, yeah. th- this uh, match to finish off the night was straight out of NXT 2015 main <laughs> events. Yes, um, featuring the guy who would later main event a lot of NXT. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the crowd here just being smart asses. They're just like, yeah, we've got our money's worth. We're three quarters drunk. Let's just have fun. Let's go, Adam. Adam sucks. Let's go, Adam. Adam sucks. Yeah. Uh, what else was there? Uh, there was uh, like another fight for Adam. <laughs> I love um it's so stupid but works so well this is adam (laughs) that was another one yeah yeah Uh, just so good it's just like let's just champ for and then there was of course just adam 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 (laughs) yeah yeah and the commentary is just playing this up like this crowd doesn't know who to cheer for yeah like why wouldn't you Oh, there was like an Adam in the Goldberg chant. It was like, Adam, Adam. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the, they're the ones I'd like noticed, but there was probably a fair few, to be honest. But um, my God, yeah, the crowd really made this match. This was a really good match. Um, yeah, the... Dark Order gets involved, like Red Dragon gets involved. Notable by their absence was the Young Bucks. Uh, still not Ooh. picking a side between uh still not picking a side between the two Adams because of their histories, I guess. Um Yeah, I thought that was an interesting bit of storytelling. And yeah, uh Hangman eventually getting the win here. Uh Hits a, what do they call it now? The boom, the big knee to the back of the head on Adam Cole and then hits the buckshot. Yeah. Uh, took a couple of buckshots to get the job done, which is why I sort of considered this an NXT TakeOver main event because in NXT TakeOver main events, one finisher never does the job. Yeah, he sort of spammed his finishes there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just spent... Uh, it's like an old No Mercy game. You just, like, continuously click taunt for the first minute of a match <laughs> so you can build up your your specials. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, me and Alex were talking about the new WWE game offline before. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting it. So um, if it arrives by the time we do our next wrap, I will do a review. But even if it doesn't, like, I will do a review the first wrap after I get the game. Yeah, uh, so this goes 25-45. I didn't feel that it was slow at any point. I did notice um, Cole tried again for the Panama City Sunrise, which he just can't win with since going to NXT. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it's a setup move now. It's a, uh, a signature. Yeah, but every time someone kicks out of it, it's like, holy shit, how did you kick out of that? I'm so shocked. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, I don't think anyone has yet, but no one's kicked out of the end of days of Baron Corbin's finisher. No, no one has. Ever. <laughs> It's so weird that that's such a protected move in WWE when you think to, about. To be fair, to be fair, like yes, it's weird that it's so protected. It's still a cool as fuck move. It's it's True. way it's way too good of a move for Baron Corbin. <laughs> like Just like you... uh, imagine if a dude like Wardlow has had that as a finisher. Fuck, it'd be badass. Uh, so we close the show here. CEO on Dynamite, uh, how many beers? Fucking six, mate. I'm going full six, fuck it. Like, I was, like I've been painfully illustrating, this had everything. Like, if, if you're in the mood to just watch one match, but you're in the mood for a particular style of match, you can find whatever you're looking for on this card. Yeah. Uh, so, other than my lone nitpick, which is my continual nitpick of the rules in tag team matches, yeah, really good show. Six beers. Yeah, this was fucking insane. My match of the night was MJF versus CM Punk, obviously, but, like, Jericho Kingston close behind, the Sting match close behind. Notice how I always just call it the Sting match because it's... <laughs> It's just like every time he has a fucking match, he does something fucking insane. And it's and it's getting progressively more insane. Like, what's next? He's going to jump out of a fucking helicopter the next match. Like, what the oh, fuck? No, that's what Darby did during the um, CM yeah, Punk vignette. Yeah, yeah, but he's actually going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he's just uh, going to... Fu- He's just going to fucking do it. Um, but anywho, uh, yeah, like so many matches on here I loved, like Danielson, Moxley, I loved that. Like I I thought Jade versus Ty, Ty Conti was incredible. <clears throat> like, yeah, I loved this show so, so much. And just my moment of the entire show was just Sam Punk's entrance, man. Goosebumps. Yeah. It's hard to sort of um go past that as being like um moment of the night. Or even the eat shit max line when he was um when MJF oh, brings yeah, in the microphone. Yeah. Uh yeah, really really good moments. Um Yeah. Jade gang played out live looking like a million bucks, like a really great champion. Yeah. Uh, My God, the money this company is going to make when they have a fucking baby face Britt Baker, which will eventually happen again against Jade Cargill. My goodness. Like I'm talking, I'm talking years down the road, but that is going to be like, fucking box office. And that's going to be from two AEW created wrestlers, basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Oh, we forgot to... to even mention the Wardlow like came down and like MJF <laughs> what MJF wanted him to give him the ring and he couldn't find it. And then when Sam Punk hits the GTS on MJF, Wardlow goes, Oh, hang on, here it is. It's and in my just, other pocket. Yeah, it's in my other pocket, and he just leaves it on the ring for CM Punk to pick up and hit MJF over the head with. Like, fucking brilliant. Wardlow's at face now. Like, oh. Another fucking star they've built so solely on themselves. Like a hangman. Like, yeah, sure, hangman was in Ring of Honor, but they weren't doing shit with hangman in Ring of Honor. Was it? Oh, okay. Cheap shot at Ring of Honor. Was Ring of Honor doing anything with anyone? Yeah, that's true. But that's I because, mean, like... Sinclair? Well, well, I guess during that point in time, too, like, all the airtime was hogged up by Cody and the Bucks, to be fair. Uh, and, and And creepy umbrella man that we're not allowed to talk about. But, like, those four guys, like, hogged all the airtime, which caused, like, no stars to get made. And then when they left, like, just got nothing. Huh. That seems to be going on in another company at the moment. Surely they'll learn from history's mistakes. Of what happened in the Monday Night Wars that they're so proud they won about WCW having all the old timers on top. Yep. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Let's talk dynamite. We got like ten minutes here. Yep. Um, fucking show opened up with Jericho and Kingston. No, Kingston. no, no. You're skipping over the most important part of Kingston's attire. Oh, what? What was he wearing? I can't remember. Oh. And you call yourself a postmark? He's wearing uh, WH's Park Four Pillars shirt. Was he really? Yeah. I'd, oh, fuck yeah. I know that Kingston's like a huge Four Pillars guy, but I didn't realise that. Fuck, that's awesome. That is so cool, man. Yeah. Good to see those guys getting a little shout out. <laughs> um, oh, shit, he was too. Fuck. What an awesome shirt, by the way. Can you name all four? Because I'm not going to be able to with my limited Japanese knowledge. Uh, Kawada, Misawa, Kabashi, and I forgot the other one. <laughs> Tenru? Nah. Um, I'm gonna, I'll wait, I know who I'm thinking of. He wears, like, purplish trunks, but I just don't know. I never remember his name of Japanese wrestling. Hang on. Google. Kabashi Misawa Kawada and Akira Tawe. Tawe. Oh, yeah, I always forget his last name. It always gets lost on me. Um, at least I got the other three right. Good. You're closer than me. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Jericho sort of cuts a promo saying, you know, you did well, Kingston. Let me off you your hand. Sort of goes to to shake him. That's a swerve, bro. Yeah. So Kings, go on. Uh, just to simplify things here, fucking he beats down Kingston, Santana and Ortiz come down, but then out comes bloody Garcia 2.0, and then Jake Hager's like, what the fuck are you doing when 
Jericho helps Garcia in 2.0 beat down Santana and Ortiz and Kingston, and then Jake Hager helps them out. And we're basically got Inner Circle 2.0, pun intended. But that is too perfect of a name, so they chose to call it the Jericho Appreciation Society. Terrible name. I mean... I think it's... gone. As a guy that has booked Chris Jericho as the leader of a heel faction himself, I can safely say that... Jeez, it doesn't take much effort to come up with a fucking reasonable stable name and this just isn't reasonable this is just lazy man yep um so yeah inner circles pretty much done kingston's laid out uh, along with santana and ortiz and garcia 2.0 hager and jericho are now the new stable but that's not the only breakup we'd see tonight no, um, let's just quickly go over the breakups. So we saw uh, Tully fired by FTR. Yep, uh, Wardlow officially announced that he quit the Pinnacle. So Pinnacle's down to, what, FTR, Spears? No, because, like, MJF. I, I assume FTR's left the Pinnacle. So Spears, Tully, MJF? MJF. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Um, To be fair, I'm happy with the FTR direction. It's kind of felt like the last two battle royals that they've been in, they've kind of been booked as like a babyface at the end. Like, oh, it's the dastardly heel Young Bucks and the heels Red Dragon. And there's like one member of the uh, FTR and one member of um, like the Dark Order. Let's go for those guys. Yep. So uh, they've kind of been getting booked like baby faces. Just now it's kind of more official, I think. Do you think those guys go down to, uh, where are we this year? Dallas for Supercard of Honor. Yeah, Because definitely. the Briscoe's opponent has yet to be named still. Yeah, uh, 100% they do. Yeah. I don't, I, think... I don't think there's any doubt about it. Yeah. Uh then what other breakups did we have tonight? I know there's one more big one. I think there was only the four. Yeah, there was only the four. Um, should we just get into the big one? Yeah, go like on. the the matches aren't really that necessary to talk about because there's way too many matches. But yeah. um, yeah, uh, we had a meeting. Uh, a board meeting with the AHFO, the Andrade Hardy family office. And they all had to vote whether Matt Hardy should stay in the group. And uh, half of them put their thumbs up for, uh, half of them put their thumbs down for no. And then uh, Matt Hardy and private party put their thumbs up for yes. And then when Matt Hardy had his back to, Towards private party, they put their thumbs down and they all took turns beating down Matt Hardy. And like we all knew what was coming. So Matt Hardy's been kicked out of the AHFO. And then out comes Darby and Sting to try to make the save. The numbers are too much. And then the music hits. 
the fucking Hardy Boys music hits. And, like, I've sort of known the whole time that the Hardy Boys theme song was actually, like, from the public domain. (laughs) And WWE actually didn't ever own it. Oh, there you go. Because I've um, heard it. It's yeah, because you you would have heard it in ads and shit before. And, I've you heard know, it be used during breaks of play at the NRL games. Yeah, like um, oh, I forgot the name of the company. It was like on the radio back when we were younger. I think it was like Buzzers Bikes and Bits in Horbury. <laughs> yes. During their ads, like the background music was the Hardy Boys theme song, and then there was like um. One of the skateboarding shops during their ads, the song they would use in the background, which is another, the other Attitude Era theme song that falls under this category, the theme song for Crash and Hardcore Holly. Oh. Yeah, so that, yeah, and apparently both songs were written by the same dude for the public domain library thingy. But um, any whoozle. Jeff Hardy comes out and, you know, he's in a rush to help his brother, but he still dances a little bit on his way out. Still goes <laughs> stop and go. Does it kind of annoy you that we had like Hardy Boys runs in like Ring of Honor and TNA and they never even thought about using the actual Hardy Boys theme song, even though WWE never owned it? <laughs> Um, like, why did it take this long for a company outside of WWE to figure out they can use it? Maybe it wasn't public domain before? No, it has been the whole time. Okay, <laughs> well, that was going to be my reasoning. Um, hang because, on, should I because, do because something on air? Go on. It's uh, probably because Jeff Hardy was insistent on having his own shitty music be played for his entrance song in TNA, and Tony for Khan's Rockside, like, Jane. and Tony Khan's like, no, fuck that. We don't want modest. We want the fucking Hardy Boys song, modest to the top. But um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Da 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 na na, to the top, and I'm getting on. Anywho, um. Yeah. Should I play the Ring of Honor theme? Because I don't even remember what the Ring of Honor one is. Sure, do it. Hit it. Uh, Where is it? Well, this is the only one that says Ring of Honor, but I think it's a broken one. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's gross. Anyway, moving on. Uh, The Hardy Boys are in AEW, and, you know, this is probably going to be their final run, and I'm happy for them to do it. I'm I'm thinking we get the Bucks versus the Hardys by by double or nothing. I think that'll be a double or nothing match. Do you think we get Sting and Darby versus the Hardys? Sting? Not Sting. Darby looked pretty excited. Darby looked excited. Did you notice the little, like, I don't know if they did this on purpose or not, 
but the fact that Sting was like death staring Jeff Hardy. Did yep. you notice that? I did pick up on that. And do you think they're actually going to tell, like, they're doing that because of Victory Road and they're actually trying to tell a story with that? Victory Road 2011? Yeah. Do you think they're actually trying to tell that as a story? I mean, you could. You, wouldn't, you could go, there's bad blood there, there's uh, deep tensions. Yeah. And, like, the the fact that, like, Jeff Hardy's always said his, like, his favourite wrestler growing up was Sting. And then you got the whole story of Sting being, being let down by Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy let down the one person that he grew up idolising. So you got a redemption arc here. And maybe, like, yeah, the four of these guys sort of team up to take on the Andrade family, I guess. And eventually Sting uh, comes around and, like, starts to trust Jeff Hardy. That's the story they can tell. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway. Do you get uh, broken? Yeah, I think we do. For a run before it's all said and done. I, I, I think we get the broken Hardys versus the House of Black at some point. Also possible, yeah. Yeah, I think we definitely get the broken hardies. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Because they're much, like, the only reason Broken Matt didn't work in AEW is because Broke, Broken Matt is so dependent on the crowd chanting delete. And the... Broken Matt was in AEW at a time where they had very minimal, if not no, crowds. Yeah. So I think, like, yeah, give it one more crack for sure. I'd love to see fucking Broken Matt and Broken Jeff, like Brother Nero and Broken Matt, doing something fucking ridiculous with Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy. Like, seriously. Like, fucking um, uh, how amazing that shit would be. So, the Hardys were in WWE, what, 2017 till... When did Matt leave? 2020. 2020. Okay, so around three years years there. Yeah. Okay. Um, At one point in there, Jeff got injured for, like, eight to nine months, so... Matt went off and did Woken Matt with Bray Wyatt, which actually wasn't too bad. Yeah, they had that one segment backstage where he went, yes, and he went, Brother Nero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when Bray Wyatt called Jeff Brother Nero, and then they cut and you see, like, Finn Balor and Seth Rollins being like, what the hell was that? Such yep. a good segment. Iconic shit. Um, <laughs> As I'm just trying to pull this up, um, tag teams. So I'm just trying to think who was in WWE at the time. Uh, FTR. Have they? Did they face FTR in WWE? Yeah, but I, it wasn't super notable to be honest. Okay. Um, let's see. Anyone else from WWE during that time period? Not really. Out? Not really, no. 
as a tag team. Not that I can see, at least it's popping out straight away. Yeah, the Hardy Boys and the Revival had a few matches, but, oh no, they had one. Really? Who won? Uh, the Hardys. Oh. Yeah. Where was it on Raw? On Raw. All the, okay. all the stuff I've got popped up is all just the one match. Okay. Uh, so let me know if any of these matches would take your fancy. Uh, versus Butcher and the Blade. I mean, as a start-off, that's a good like first match out of the gate. Private Party? I think that's like... You can build up to that a little bit because there's such a good story to tell there. Uh, uh, what is it? Men of the Year? I guess not at the moment, given the uh, the main event result on Dynamite. No, I think that uh, that tag team's kind of on hold for the minute. Uh, we sort of already touched on, I guess, Best Friends? Uh, I wouldn't hate it. Um upon your voice yeah, <laughs> yeah um, there's I feel like you're just sort of working your way up the card slowly now yeah uh, let's skip a few here Lucha Bros I feel like that's happened in Impact yeah it has but but if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it it's one of those situations, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll, it's the same reason why I want to see the Bucks versus the Hardys. Because, like, sure, it happened in Ring of Honor, but I'd like to see it on a big stage. Uh, FTR again, yeah, we mentioned that. Uh, Santana and Ortiz. I think that happened in Impact. I could be wrong. but Oh, uh, yeah, what, true with the timing. Yeah, but I'd still like to... Yeah, I want to see it on a big stage. And then just sort of the other ones not listed here, uh, House of Black, Gun Club. Yeah. Oh, Hollywood sure. Blondes. Yeah, the Varsity Blondes. I, I wouldn't mind that. Um, what did I say? The Hollywood Blondes. Yeah, I wouldn't I'm mind. I'm thinking Pillman <laughs> Senior, sorry. Yeah, no, I wouldn't mind seeing the Hardy Boys versus Pillman and Austin. That's for sure. But... <laughs> Yeah. Jeez. Uh, oh, um, just having a quick skim through here. I don't think there's anyone really else of note. Like Lance Archer's on his own. Jurassic on Express. His own. Jurassic Express. Yeah, well, that's the obvious one because they're the tag champs at the moment. Yeah. And but Red Dragon. Red Dragon. I think that's a big one. That's a big, big one. I don't think that's ever happened. No. I don't think I'm just so. Just trying to think when were Carl and um Fish signed to WWE? Yeah. Um they No They definitely didn't cross over when they were all in the WWE together. I know that for a fact. Yeah, that's why I'm just trying to think they might have been in WWE when the Hardys left impact to go back to ring of honor for that yeah bit in between. yeah I, I think so but nonetheless um 
you know who their first feud should be against? Who? The Factory, because that that's who Keith Lee's going after. Uh, slowly build Keith Lee. They're in no rush, I guess. I think that's the explanation. Uh, we also saw, oh, who was it? Uh, Scorpio Sky, face of the revolution last year, win the TNT Championship. Yeah, and then next week, the two faces of the revolution are going to face off for the TNT title. Yeah, so Wardlow gets his match, and St. Patrick's Day Slam is Thunder Rosa because she bit, beat legit Layla Hirsch, gets uh, Britt Baker again, but it's in a cage match. Yeah, this is going to be insane. I'm so excited for this. They rightfully so going to main event, and Thunder Rosa's finally going to get a win. Yeah, it's in Houston? San Antonio, her hometown. Oh, I know it was Texas. Yeah. It is um, her legit hometown, so this will be big. Um, yeah, I was... I think, like, a big reason they took the title belt off Sammy tonight is because next week they're in San Antonio, which is also Sammy's hometown, and they don't like people losing in their hometowns. So it's like... What a novel concept. Yeah, yeah. Like, if it was Sammy versus Wardlow, Wardlow has to win, but if it's Scorpio versus Wardlow... Um... I think MJF's going to cost Wardlow. Yeah. Much yeah. like he did uh, Cody before that. Yeah. Um, so um, next week's going to be great. Um, also on this show, we had Dante Martin versus Hangman Page in a world title match. Which yeah, was out of nowhere. Fun. Yeah, it was completely random, but I guess like Dante's... Dante ended up accidentally climbing up the rankings to number two and now his tag partner's back and he's going to go back in the tag division. So let's just get this title shot out of the way and then you can go do your tag thing. Yeah. Uh, they also put Willa Utah versus uh, Pack, which was a lo- fun little TV match. I loved the explanation for it, though. It was like, hey, we're giving you a bonus match because the world title match didn't go, like, the majority of the 60 minutes like we had originally anticipated or had planned for. Yeah. So you get a bonus match. I love that. That's cool. That's one way to sort of just explain why you're getting an unannounced match. Can I just say, like, before we finish up here, William Regal's um, announcement post the... uh, Moxley and Danielson tag match. I don't know who they beat. It was just some guys from Dark or Dark Elevation. Let's yeah, it was um, JD Drake and Anthony Henry. The reason I remember this is because I love their tag team name. The Work Horseman. <laughs> the Work uh, Horseman. The Worst Horseman. <laughs> No, no. We're not talking about Paul Roma or Jeff Jarrett's one-day run as a horseman. (laughs) You leave J-E-F-F alone. But (laughs) Regal cutting this uh, promo, like, post-match, and he's going, 
you know, Shivani, I don't have long left. And I'm going, is the regal going to announce that he has cancer or something the way he's going? And he's tearing up. And I'm like, oh, shit, is the guy's sick. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, you know, my body's wearing a bit thin and uh, these guys have a lot of spirit. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that just sort of went down a weird turn for a moment. Uh... Uh, I just think he was just trying to imply the fact that he had lived a pretty full, like, crazy life when he was younger because of his well-reported issues when he was, you know, from, like, 15, 20 years ago that he had. Yes. Um, Yeah, so I think that's what he was more so trying to imply, so I didn't think too much of it. That's Hell what I thought at first, and then, he, like, when he was saying the empty bottles and, you know, all that, and I'm like, yeah. okay. And then he starts saying, you know, I've only got, like, maybe 10 years left of me wife wheeling me to the sunny window. I go, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, it did get a bit morbid, but that's also very British of him <laughs> to just sort of just... That's just a real British thing to just, like, be so openly being like oh yeah in 10 years time i'm gonna be dying (laughs) (laughs) like that's Uh, just so british uh anywho this was a great promo i loved it man the way he was talking about i've left empty bottles everywhere and a few broken hearts along the way sunshine (laughs) i loved that then he grabs shivani soon says oh i still seeing all this time you still haven't found a decent tailor Oh, my God. And just, like, we mentioned it earlier, but I marked out so hard just hearing Shivani say, your lordship. Oh, just great shit. And just, like, watching Danielson and Moxley just marking out for William Regal cutting a promo. Just, like, and seeing William Regal actually getting a being allowed to show some character in a promo instead of being a completely neutral authority figure making an announcement. Like, this was great. Yeah, so what is Regal's um, role? Has it been reported? Like, the reports are that he is going to be working backstage as a coach, but, like, he's going to be on screen as the manager for Danielson and Moxley. Hell of a pickup for a coach. I mean, if this is your talent scout going forward, like, think of when William Regal was talent scouting for NXT. The fucking stacked roster NXT had at one point, just with in-ring talent. Like, what he can do... Not that these guys need more scouting, to be honest, but... An eye for the future this guy can have. Oh, this company's going to be unstoppable. Look at the backstage crew they've got. Like, from your Arn Andersons, like, the, just like the working backstage creative or like agents or whatever. You got Regal now, Arn Anderson, Jerry Lynn, who's like a fantastic coach, Jerry Billy, Lynn. Billy Gunn. Um, yeah. Dean Malenko, like some of the people they got back. Sanjay Dutt. Sanjay Dutt doing stuff. Uh, Ace Steel, the former like um, trainer of CM Punk. Wow. Yeah, and he used to be in a stable with him and all that. It was like him, CM Punk, and Colt Cabana and Ring of Honor. They were the Second City Second Saints. Second City Saints. 
Yeah. Which uh, that's what they also built Punk as when he came out in his um classic attire. Yeah, yeah. Was... Second City Saint. Yeah, oh, fuck, I loved that so much. Uh, I like... didn't, didn't get a lot of Punk or MJF on this show, which, you know I... what, uh, after the match they had, why should we see him? There was a quick little clip of um Punk in the doctor's office saying, you know, everybody, saying to the effect of everybody wanted the old punk while careful what you wish for. Yeah. Um, Sam Punk is dead. Long live Sam Punk. That's exactly what he said. And I was like, oh, shit. We're going to get heel Sam Punk versus Hangman. (laughs) I like how they've got Dan Lambert. And I know everybody's like, oh, why have you got Dan Lambert? The guy was great. What was it? five, ten years ago, something like that, in Impact. With Lashley. With Bobby Lashley, yes. Yeah, um, I, I would say he's fantastic now. I'm a big Dan Lambert fan. His role in AEW is to be Jim Cornette in AEW. I love it. Uh, um, do you think AEW would ever hire Jim Cornette? Uh, I think they'd be stupid not to. Honestly, just for the fucking, like, curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Turn, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You could turn when FTR turn heel again. Cornette. I would, like, find, like, the most Jim Cornette singles wrestler and have him fucking challenge Orange Cassidy. And have Jim Cornette in a feud against Orange Cassidy because he hates him. Um, And then, you know, he wins that feud and then it goes to Kenny Omega or whatever he calls him. uh, Kenny Olivier on Twinkle Toes himself is whatever he calls him. But anywho, um, Paige Van Zandt has signed with AEW now which I think is a great pickup. She's a fantastic MMA fight. I have no idea what she's like as a wrestler, but she's got uh, a lot of followers and all that sort of shit. She's, she looks like a million bucks. Let's hope yeah. she can wrestle. I think she's going to do a hell of a lot better here than she would in um, WWE at the moment with um, uh, Rousey over there being the MMA person on top over there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Shayna Baszler was arguably a more successful MMA fighter record-wise than Paige Van Zandt, or was, like, more successful against bigger-name opponents than Paige Van Zandt was. Well, Paige Van Zandt was also a bare-knuckle fighter. I think she still is. Like, she still does the occasional fight the bare knuckle fighting championship uh so she's had 13 professional fights uh eight wins and five losses of those wins two knockouts three submissions three decisions yeah well i'm looking forward they're they're setting up ty conti versus uh page van zandt and that's going to be fantastic page comes down lays out um Ty Conti is ringside during Sammy's fight after Sammy loses and then just yeah. signs a contract on top of Ty, who's uh, on, on her ass. <laughs> she signed it on her ass. 
And like J- JR was having a convulsion over that imagery. You could just hear him go, you could just hear him just like turn into a creepy old man during that part. But you do you, JR. You do you. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. I suppose from there, do we jump over to WrestleMania previews? Yeah, let's do it. I watched all of Raw yesterday, (laughs) and I put out a tweet, and uh, we were talking to Daniel. He's like, how do you watch a whole episode of Raw? And I'm like, usually alcohol helps, but I was watching it live. I was watching it probably on like a a half-hour delay so I could fast-forward through some of the ads. Yeah. And I put out a tweet, and it's just like, this is the most underwhelming WrestleMania build I've felt in years, excluding the two pandemic WrestleManias. Yeah, and I can see your point on some things, but on other things, I'm like, man, they've been building the shit out of some stuff here. Like, they've really gone into overdrive with certain feuds. But then I can see your point with... um. Like, I'll just flat out say it now. The AJ Styles Edge feud has been nothing. Mm. Should we uh, go through the card and go match by match then? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Do you have the card in front of you? Uh, Pulling it up as we speak, and I have it in front of of me now. Uh, There we go. Okay, uh, go ahead, my man. Okay, so night one, man. Um, according to Wikipedia, this is the order of matches, but uh, we'll say it if I, when I, be, uh, I will believe it when I say it. Shit, easy for me to say. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, Raw Women's Championship. Who is the baby face in this now? Because on Raw yesterday, Bianca attacked Becky and then proceeded use giant scissors to cut out chunks of Becky's hair. Isn't hey. that a girl thing to do? No, but no. Bianca's the clear baby face because Becky tried to cut Bianca's hair first. Yeah, but she didn't actually cut her hair. No, but this is their just uh, their fucking outdated way of thinking. Hey, they tr- this person tried to attack me so I can attack them. Um, I can see your point, but Becky's been a bit of a bitch this entire time. She's been, especially, uh, not the most recent episode of Raw, but the one beforehand, she cut this scathing promo on Bianca. I think the build's been all right. The hair thing has been well overdue for Bianca. Like, why hasn't someone just tried to cut off her hair? She uses it as a weapon, so why wouldn't you try to cut it off? I don't know. That's a good point. Uh, This, for me, is rather lackluster. Uh, You have this return match from SummerSlam that was, what, 16 seconds? Yeah, and I think in their minds, it's like, oh, we teased it at SummerSlam, and then you'll finally get it at Mania. But I don't think... I don't think it's worked out quite like they expected because 
Yeah. Uh, to be honest, this feels like a relatively cold heel champion against a relatively cold babyface challenger. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, because they're both sort of just being put on ice for a bit. Becky Lynch, like at the Rumble, feuding with Dewdrop in a heel versus heel feud. Uh, Bianca Belair, like, just, she was champ, and then she wasn't doing anything for six months, basically, and then all of a sudden she wins the chamber. Yeah, that's the thing, too. She wasn't really featured that much in a prominent role. She wasn't, like, continuing to win matches on the undercard to build her way back up. She didn't go away for a while, then come back on a winning streak. She just sort of, I'm going to luck my way into this chamber and win. So, I think, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think they should have just let Bianca win the Rumble again. Yeah. And have and have Ronda win the Chamber for SmackDown. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded that if, like, you have Ronda just enter six and then just run through everyone who's left in there. Yeah. I mean, then, I think it's been done for years in the chamber, at least. Yeah, and the thing is, like, winning a chamber match, like, yeah, in theory, it looks kind of dominant, but Bianca needed the Rumble win more. She needed the just that Rumble moment of, like being a marathon woman in the Rumble again and just getting the win at the end. She needed that because she really needed to be heated back up again. Yeah. Uh, what's next after that? Uh, the Mysterios versus The Miz and Lucha Logan. Oh, yeah. Uh, Raw this week, Miz presented Logan Paul with the uh, Rey Mysterio mask. And the semi part of this match that I was actually interested in, Miz and Rey Mysterio facing off in a singles contest, they gave away six days beforehand on Raw. Uh, I, I feel like we've seen Miz versus Rey so many times over the years, so that's not particularly a draw for me. Yeah, but not recently. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, they did say something on Raw that I'm not sure if they've ever said before because sometimes I tune out. Um, they said, oh, the le- they were talking about the legacy of the mask and then they said, oh, Ray- it's the reason why Dominic doesn't have a mask because Ray feels like Dominic needs to earn his mask. So... I, yep. I never, I never heard that as a plot point in this at all before. So I'm thinking, like, at some point, like Miz is, uh, like, the Mysterios might win, and then Ray gets his mask back and gives it to Dominic, and Dominic's a mask guy now. Well, they took the mask back on Monday as well. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Uh, Logan Paul was on the outside and Dominic reached over the top rope and pulled it off his head and gave it back to his father. So we right. don't still have that plot point going in six days out of will they get the mask back? 
Well, uh, then uh, I expect Dominic to just come out with a mask on out of the blue and we're just going to pretend like that's normal. Oh, uh, gosh. Um, they did mention that Ray Mysterio, uh, like, trained under his uncle and that's how he got his mask. Yeah. Um, as Ray Mysterio Jr. going through uh, Mexico and then over to WCW and then facing Kevin Nash and... Hey, filthy animals, Ray. <laughs> I guess that's something, at least. So uh, I've been playing WWE 2K22, and um, I've finished the showcase mode. And at the very end of the showcase mode, when you finished it, like Ray Mysterio, like there's a sit-down interview with actual Ray, like a proper video, and he's talking about, he's summarising his career. And like one of the last lines was, Hey, I'm just a filthy animal after all. <laughs> I was like, what? We're referencing that? Uh, Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, I have a feeling it should be a good match. I just don't think there's really any stakes attached to it. And the stakes that you put in last week are already gone by Monday. Yeah. By Monday. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm morbidly curious to see how Logan Paul does. I think he'll be good. Uh, I honestly think, like, this is the career move for Logan Paul. Yeah. He uh, looks like a million bucks. If you've ever seen him with it in his boxing gear, like, he looks like a wrestler. So, yeah, give him a shot. Sort of a, a hook physique on him. Yeah, yeah, like... With probably about a foot taller, though. Um, all right, next match. Drew versus Happy Corbin. Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. Yeah. What about Angela? Yeah. Uh, Drew with Angela and Happy Corbin with Madcap Moss. Um, this has uh, been going on since, what, Survivor Series? Yeah, like the SmackDown after Survivor Series, I believe, is when they started the feud. Um, <sighs> Happy Corbin, undefeated, as they keep reminding us. So he's going to lose, probably. Yeah. One uh, ring sports bet. <laughs> so here's an interesting factoid about Baron Corbin that the end of days has never been kicked out of. Yeah. Oh, didn't you know so, that? No, no, I, I, I learned that like a few months back, but it was a very new thing to me. Um, he did an interview a few years ago and somebody asked him, would you rather win the WWE Championship or have no one kick out of your finisher? And he said, I'd rather have no one kick out my finisher because championships come and go and they'll be something that everyone will talk about forever. Ah, so that so I was gonna ask the question: Do you think this is the time someone kicks out of it? But that interview that you just quoted makes me think that probably won't happen ever. <laughs> and Drew's not the guy who needs it either. I mean, Drew should be in a much bigger match than this. It's yeah. a fucking waste. Uh, to be make- honest, Drew should be having the Cody match. Just saying. Yeah. You mentioned the uh, the wrestling chat with a friend of the show, Warwick. Uh, what's his thoughts on his boy, 
having a match against Happy Corbin? Uh, I haven't seen much discourse about it at all. I I think he's under the same belief as everyone else that Drew should be doing something a lot bigger at WrestleMania. Yeah. Like, Drew should be the Cody guy. Cody should come in as a fucking dirty heel and go against Drew, and they've got the history, but no one remembers it, I guess. Anyway, next... What's uh, James Storm doing in the TNA zone? He wasn't in that. Oh, who was it? It was Rude and Aries. Oh, it was too. Yeah. Well, my, am I thinking of America's Most Wanted? Uh, that Storm? Or, uh, Beer Money was uh, Rude and Storm. Oh, it was Beer Money. I am so confused with my TNA teams. Anyway, um, this match... Should be fine in the ring. It's just got no big stakes to it. To me, it's already fizzled out. Uh, what's next following that that's been advertised? The Usos versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs for the SmackDown tag titles. Um, I, I don't think you change the titles. Keep it on the Usos. 100% you keep this on the Usos. Yeah. Samora's got nothing on, going on. Boogs has got nothing going on other than he plays guitar for Nakamura and dances with uh, Pat. But that's about it. This yeah. title should stay on the Usos. Yeah. Uh, this should be a fucking pre-show match. Um, I love Nakamura, but this, yeah, this should be opener. This shouldn't be any further than three matches in. Yeah. Um, the the New Day, King Woods and Kofi Kingston versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland with Butch. Sheamus and Holland? Yeah. Oh, that's right, because he's out. Yeah, so it's King Woods and Kofi Kingston versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland with Butch in their corner. I mean, this sounds good on paper. This sounds great in ring. I mean, Butch ringside would have, oh, like I'm thinking, oh, yeah, you would have had your six-man tag with um, Big E. Yeah. Um, but, but can't you have it be Sheamus and Butch versus the New Day and, and have Ridge Holland in the corner? Or put Sheamus in the corner and have his two protégés in there? And that way, if one of them loses, Sheamus can sort of lash out at him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just would have liked to have seen Pete Dunne Butch get a match at WrestleMania instead of being in the corner. But whatever. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. There's nothing going on so far on this WrestleMania five uh, five matches you've announced. What's next? Alright. Uh, uh, yeah, the big one. Seth freaking Rollins versus to be announced. Um mystery opponent hand selected by Vince McMahon. 
And I can't wait for them to completely ignore the fact that it makes absolutely no sense at all for Vince McMahon to handpick Cody. This build was so simple. Two weeks ago, you're in Jacksonville. You have him come out and challenge Seth. Seth is getting all these ass-backwards challenges. Um, Who was it? He had to face Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens has a talk show. Even though Kevin Owens had already been booked to face Steve Austin. It's like, oh, so I guess what it's now just going to be Seth, Seth talk with Stone Cold and there's nothing going on between the two of them? Oh, okay. And then it's AJ versus Edge. But if AJ loses, it's now Seth versus Edge, even though those two haven't interacted in months. And it's just like, this build is so ass backwards. You, you were in Jacksonville. You were in the home city of AEW with one of their EVPs. Fuck me. This does not get handed to you on a silver platter on more short notice in a perfect way going to WrestleMania. But somehow they still fucking mishandled it. I disagree. (laughs) So I think the fact that everyone knows we're getting Cody We've been building anticipation for weeks. And then you don't get him until the actual moment. I think it's going to be one of the most legendary WrestleMania moments of all time. And let's be real. That's all WWE cares about when booking WrestleMania is creating those moments. They don't give a shit about it. And now they're both gone. Hey? Like the Hardys moment from five years ago, and now they're both gone. Yeah, I think they want to have a... I think that's exactly what they're trying to do, is create a new Hardy Boys moment. And I think it's going to be bigger than that. I think this is going to be huge. And I think the fact that... Yeah, we know what we're getting, but no one's specifically said what we're getting. How is this any different from Sam Punk? At first dance? Yeah. I guess one was television in their home city and he was just talking. The other one's a 100,000-seat stadium they're trying to fill uh, in a pay-per-view match in his first match back in the company. Uh, where's Dusty Rhodes from? Uh, Dusty, Texas. Uh, Dallas? Yep. Ah. <laughs> there you oh, go. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's fair enough too then. Yeah. Cody's uh, Atlanta, uh, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's true too, but knowing like how Cody... Everything Cody does is a wink and a nod to his father. Like, if you ever actually look at everything he's done, especially the last three years in AEW, everything he's done has been either a tribute to something his dad did or a wink and a nod to something his dad did. So the fact that he's going to re-debut in Dallas, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Um, I... I'm just worried, man. Oh, I'm a old WCW guy. 
I spent years watching my favorite WCW guys come into the WWE just to lose at WrestleMania. <laughs> I, I, I'm really worried that Seth is going to win. Because <laughs> I, I actually think the build to this has been good. I've loved everything the Seth Rollins character has done recently. I think there was a point there where I didn't get his character. Now I just love it. I, I think it's great. I think it's the best thing on Raw by far. And just the whole story of this has been Seth Rollins struggling to get his WrestleMania match and having loss after loss. So for the story to sort of end with Seth losing at WrestleMania, it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> well, what was that line that uh, Raven said about Bischoff signing him? He'd be the highest paid jobber. Oh, that was Pillman. Oh, it was too. Yeah, because um, Bill Watts said to him backstage, like, oh, okay, you could uh, either have this contract for a shitload of money, but we're not going to let you win. And Pillman says, that's fine. I'll be the highest paid jobber in the business. I don't care. Um. um so I think, uh, I don't know, I'm just real conflicted. I think this match doesn't need to go long either. I, th I think the entrances are where it's at for this. And you keep the match, like, fairly basic because you don't need it to be a blow-away match because the pop from the debut or the re-debut should be able to carry through the entire match. So I don't think they need to go too hard on this and you can just save a lot of it for a rematch down the road. Can I just say, what if it's not Cody? What if it's Beer finally debuting? Hey, they said Raw after Mania. They've it's named a date now. Like five months. Hey? Haven't they been saying coming to Raw for like four or five months? Yeah, but for the last three weeks, they've said Raw after Mania. Oh, that's another thing too. The Raw this week was branded as WrestleMania Raw. Yeah. Since when has that been a thing? I don't recall that ever being a thing. But hey, last year we had WrestleMania Backlash. Oh, God, so, yeah. <clears throat> so I expect that to happen again, by the way. Um... Yeah, I mean, part of me is just like, dude, they've kept, like, Elias under contract this whole time, and they we haven't seen or heard from the dude in ages. Could this be, like, the re-debut of a new, like, Elias gimmick? I like Elias. Yeah, I mean, like, could Seth Rollins' opponent be, like, a repackaged Elias? Fuck. That would piss off the crowd so much. No, that that's why you do it, because you do Seth Rollins versus a re-debut Elias. Everyone's pissed. The match is quick. Seth Rollins wins. And then after the match, you have Cody in a suit come out and challenge him down the road. And you save the match. But you okay. still get you still get the surprise pop. And you 
And the pup would, and in WWE's logic, the pup will be even bigger because you deliberately let him down at first. Isn't it usually everywhere else the law of diminishing returns? That if you keep doing stupid stuff like that, people just give up on you? Yeah, the problem is they need, if they do do something risky like that, they, um, <laughs> they're going to need to keep the match really brief or else they risk people just walking out. <laughs> yeah. Um, now. Uh, one more match on that one. What music does Cody come out to? I think he gets his uh, AEW theme, Kingdom by Downstate. I oh. think he gets it. No Smoke and Mirrors? No, I don't think he gets Smoke and Mirrors. I think he gets the theme that we're familiar with because I'm pretty sure like he has the licensing rights to it. Sort of like Mickey James when she came in at the Rumble? Yeah. And I think that's the song you need to use because as much as I loved Cody in WWE, I think more people are going to pop for hearing Kingdom, for hearing Adrenaline in My Soul, Something Something Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Yeah. But memories on, I'm home. Whoa. I think this is the one time people will be excited for him to do the overly long, like, dramatic intro part as well. Does he keep the wrestling has more than one royal family? Because that no. was shot at WWE and Vince McMahon and Triple H. Yeah, my, my prediction is no, he doesn't keep that part. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh that so far is the only thing I'm really looking forward to so far, just to see what the surprise is and if it's actually a Cody match or Cody challenge you're alluding to there afterwards. Uh Dude, what- I I've got a fucking crazy prediction for night two. But anyway. Um for night one. Um Main event night one, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. And my prediction is this match is going to suck. Horribly suck. (laughs) I mean, we've seen Ronda get stroppy. Charlotte we've seen get stroppy at pay-per-views, notably with uh, Nia Jax last year. Does this result in the match falling apart? Yeah. It does. This match falls apart because Charlotte Flair has the tendency of if if one thing goes wrong, the entire match falls apart. She doesn't know how to come back from it. And Ronda Rousey is green as goose shit at the moment. And if <laughs> she's likely to fuck something up that's going to throw Charlotte off. Yeah. Um, and my God, have you seen the promos these two have been cutting on each other? Holy shit. Fucking horrible, man. Yeah, was it last Friday where it ended with the, uh, the women's promo or the week before? And it was just like last Friday and Ronda like literally botched the opening line. Hmm. Oh yeah. No interest Uh, in this. Uh, I think 
they won't have as good a match as they had at um, Survivor Series. I'm just trying to think of the year 2016? 18. 18. Yeah, because 2019 was Mania 35 with Charlotte, Becky and Ronda. Yeah. And yeah, Ronda was only around for a year. Um, Lastly, but, one is uh, Kevin Owens hosting Stone Cold. I think that should be fun, whatever that is. That's going to be the main event. I guarantee you. That'll be the last thing that happens. Now, that's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking, if they're going to do a match for night two, this doesn't main event. If they're just doing a segment thing, maybe a quick impromptu match like um, Rock and Eric Rowan, this main events. I think, yeah, this is going to be the talk show and a match. Or I don't even think the talk show will happen. I think Kevin Owens will get in the ring to introduce Stone Cold, and Stone Cold just comes out in his ring gear and says, ring the ring the bell, son. Yeah. And, yeah. And then I think we get a five-minute match, maybe. But the crowd's going to go nuts. Yeah. And uh, some, uh, a former host of RBR Wrestling, uh, William Washington, who is now actually a member over at Fightful, um, posted a video today of from 2011 of Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, getting in the ring, getting assaulted by The Miz and Alex Riley on Raw. And Stone Cold taking a heap of bumps for Alex Riley. And then, like, Stone Cold doing the stomps in the corner, the the Luthers press, the punches, the the elbow thing that Stone Cold does, and then the stunner, like, doing his basic, basically his full moveset from 2011. And that was the last time... He did all of that stuff, and he looked amazing. Uh, I think I think we get all the greatest hits from Stone Cold, and I think he's going to look good. Mind you, 2011 was 11 years ago, but I, I think he's going to look awesome, and I think this is going to be like one of those, like, holy shit, remember when moments. Wow, I've been back watching wrestling for 11 years. Jeez. Yeah. Why do I waste so much time? <laughs> yeah, because Stone Cold actually got into in ring shape when he was hosting Tough Enough in oh. 2011. Yeah. Who won that season? I believe that was Silent Rage, Andy something something, and he never debuted on the main roster. He got let go pretty quickly. God, that show sucks. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it just has a terrible track record of getting people to the main roster who they choose. And no, because people... every season there's like obviously talented people, but then out of nowhere it's like, oh no, nah, but this guy's good looking. We'll pick him. <laughs> yeah, didn't John Morrison? Was it John Morrison and um, Shad appeared in one together and they didn't get chosen? No, uh, Shad didn't get chosen. John Morrison won. Ah. He won? Yeah. Jeez, poor guy. 
Well, he's pr- he's probably been the most successful winner, other than uh, old Pewter winning the big prize amount. Yeah, I mean, the most successful ones are Morrison and Miz. That's true. Yeah, uh, and I remember like watching the the Miz Daniel Pewter season, and I was like, they obviously need to let Miz win this, not Pewter. Fuck. Pewter's shit. It's like the McMahon Williams. This is legitimate voting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, night two. Night two. WrestleMania, night two. Um, Sportatorium. <laughs> All right. Queen Zelina and Carmella versus Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan versus Natalia and Shayna Baszler in the WWE Women's Tag Team Who Gives a Fuck match. So it's uh, Zelina and Carmella. Yep. Liv and Rhea. Yep. Natty and Shayna. Yep. Uh, Sasha and Naomi. Oh, my God. Sasha. What a fucking waste of Sasha Banks. What a waste of Rhea. What a waste of Rhea. They could have had a fucking match. Sasha versus Rhea. Again? Sasha versus Rhea should have been a WrestleMania match. I don't give a fuck if they're on opposite brands. You can make it happen. That that would have been incredible. These titles mean nothing. And now uh, that Zelina's won, she joins Rarefied Air. Her, uh, was it Jesse, Jesse K and um, ah oh crap, I'm forgetting their impact names. You just said the impact name, didn't you? Yeah, Jesse and Cassie, yeah. uh, both holding WWE Women's Tag Team Championships and TNA Impact Knockout Championships. Because Zelina won it in the early 2000s as part of um, LAX. She did not. Zelina? Yep. She didn't. Ah, oh, bugger. I thought she had. <laughs> no, she was a uh, um, former TNA Knockouts tag champion. So she's she's got the big double now. Oh, what did I say? Uh, knockouts champion. Oh, I meant tag. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, this was... Um, I think she won in, like, 2010, 2011-ish. Anyway, um, that's enough talk about that match. Who cares? These titles mean nothing still. Yeah. Like, invest in your women's division, for fuck's sake. Yeah, like, it says something about how they portray their women because every match... Every women's match on these two nights is for a title. So that means they basically couldn't come up with another reason to have women wrestle other than the championships. You just outlined two good matches there. Uh, Was it Rhea and Sasha? Yep. You could have had Liv and Shayna. They're both on the same brand. That's something. They're not, but yeah, that would have been good. Oh, that's right. Shana moved. I forgot Shana moved. 
Yeah. But yeah, you could do stuff like that, like this company. Um, okay. I've been over this topic enough times. Let's uh, go to the next match. Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. I, I've actually enjoyed the build-up to this. I think it's a fun little ha-ha thing. It'll be a good little um, palate cleanser. Yeah, I'm excited for this just to see if they sort of go uh, all out with uh, Sammy and um, Knoxville. Is this false count anywhere or anything like that? Anything goes, yeah. Okay, so they should be able to go and do a, a few different things at least. Yeah. Um, Which I, want Se- I want Sami Zayn to come out with Bear Margera. With what? With Bear Margera. Viva La Bam himself. Fucking. I said beef between him and Knoxville. There was at one point, yeah. I want him to come out with Bam. Um, um, yeah, uh, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm interested in it, and a false count anywhere does play really well into a Knoxville playhouse who is pretty much a glorified stunt man. Yeah. I mean, if it's good enough for a sting match, I'm pretty sure Johnny Knoxville will do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, third match, Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. We've got differing opinions. I've actually enjoyed what Pat McAfee has done in the past. You haven't. Um, I will say, I think it's undeniable Pat McAfee on commentary has been, has absolutely carried SmackDown this past year since he showed up on it. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. Um, is it, it will be interesting to see where this match sort of goes and what they do with it. Um, and for me, probably out of all the matches, like I'm sort of just going, that's a bum stand to me of how interested I am. This one's sort of on the bubble. Yeah. All right. Um, next match, Raw Tag Team Titles, Triple Threat, RK Bro versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy. They've kind of uh, turned Street Profits heel, which I'm into, 100% into. <laughs> I think it's good. I think, like, this has been one of, this is probably the most heavily built on TV t- championships out of everything in WWE because they get like so much screen time on raw in recent weeks just building up the tag titles just because i think orton and riddle have been incredible what was the closing shot of the go home raw these guys man yeah exactly how is this this is positioned like it's your biggest match out of anyone coming from raw yeah and i think it's actually the right decision <laughs> Because, because yeah. like this, the the uh, RK Bro Alpha Academy stuff in the last few months has been just genuinely enjoyable television, and Chad Gable and Otis have been great. Uh, Chad Gable has just come into his element with the whole shoosh thing, and I thank you that 
like stupid thing he's been doing, but it it's gotten over. Um, my only issue with this is they just kind of shoehorned in the street profits, um, and just go, all right, you you guys are here now. Um, I honestly believe that RK Bro and Alpha Academy deserved a two-on-two match at Mania because of the work they've been doing. Yeah, this this um is built really well. It's just all of a sudden Street Profits popped up and we're like, hey, we're going to have a piece of that WrestleMania action. Yeah. I think it should be a good match, though. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. And they've positioned the crap out of this with... um. Like, all the building, they've made this the major focus on Raw. Yeah, it's like either these titles close Raw or they open Raw in recent months. And that's the most important parts. So, yeah, I think... I think uh, RK-Bro has been, like, an incredible out-of-nowhere success for this company. I think they've been amazing. They've elevated... Pretty much every tag team they've had a feud with. Yeah. So, like, like Alpha Academy, like before the RK Bro feud, it was like, ugh, who gives a fuck? But now I'm genuinely tuning into Raw because I want to see a Chad Gable shoosh promo, or I want I want to see the stupid Snickers ads they've been running with. Otis and Chad Gable, if you've seen those. Or the scooter racing. Or the scooter racing. My God. Yeah, it's just tremendous. I think it's great. Not everything has to be serious. So if you're going to do comedy, make sure it's good comedy. And I think these guys have been doing good comedy. Um, next match. Edge versus AJ Styles. I said at the top of this. I think this hasn't been built built well at all. No, and these edge promos, I think up until yesterday, these edge promos where it was just long plodding, um, just long winded promos about nothing in the ring with a blue light. Yeah, it's darkness. This was a much better promo style suited to a backstage uh, yeah. tape. And yesterday they did it, and I felt that improved Edge's quality 100%. Yeah, definitely. I um, I just think, what have they really done in this feud? So they had Edge, like, co- spend a couple of weeks, like, calling someone out to challenge him for Mania. AJ finally comes out. Edge beats the shit out of him. AJ goes away for two, three weeks. Edge cuts uh, long-winded, monotonous promos. And then AJ comes back. And Edge uh, costs, like, DQs AJ or some shit. Hits AJ with the chair during a match with Seth Rollins. They've, like, done nothing. This should... This should be built up a lot more. And it's just like, oh, Edge shows up in the building, knows... uh, AJ shows up in the building, knows Edge is there, talks about how Edge tried to end his bloody career and make him a cripple in front of his family or whatever. 
but he's not actively trying to find the edge. Yeah, it, it certainly has lacked stakes. Like, I'm sure the guys will put on a great match in the ring. Just to me, it's just lacking that certain something. And maybe it's because they wanted to spend so many weeks of Edge trying to call someone out rather than going, okay, here's AJ. Let's build up from here. Yeah. Um, also, the uh, the Seth-AJ match didn't help that they had to get through that with Edge DQing AJ. And here's the thing. Like, I think... I, I think it's undeniable that Seth and AJ are the two best in-ring guys in WWE. But every time they've had a match together, it hasn't worked. It doesn't click. It's weird. It's weird. Are they both trying to be ring generals? Yeah, it's like um, Bret Hart and Ric Flair on paper should be amazing. But every time they got in the ring together, it was somewhat disappointing and i think it, you've hit the nail on the head uh yeah you got two two chefs and um yeah you got two cooks in the kitchen there basically um so what's next not to i i think the edge music change what are your thoughts on that <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it, I think. Yeah, I, I don't mind the, the gimmick change as long as it's not forever. Because I don't think, like, whenever Edge decides to fully hang it up, I think uh, Edge needs to have his old theme music for that and has, has to be the rated R superstar for whenever he hangs it up. Uh, that one. Uh, Bobby Lashley versus Omos. I mean, they've been fine. It was built on like an hour to go overall, but uh, I mean, the Bobby Lashley part was, but the Omos wanting to have a worthy opponent at WrestleMania thing has been getting built up for months now. Like, it's all just been building to who is going to accept it eventually, and Bobby Lashley does it. I, I think the build's been okay. I just... My God, they've had him fucking bury tag team after tag team. They, yeah. had, him, they had him bury um, the Hurt Business in a handicap match. Who else did he bury? The other part uh, of the Hurt Business... Well, it was Cedric and Shelton they buried in a tag match. Then there was another tag team they squashed. And then yesterday, he fucking eviscerated the Viking Raiders who aren't even on the fucking brand. They just brought them over to get fucking squashed, murdered by Omos. Like, as much as I like grizzled young vets, you're telling me you couldn't have brought them up from NXT just to give Omos a squash? I mean, you couldn't just call up fucking local talent A and local talent B. It would have been just as effective. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I I hope Lashley wins because Lashley's a monster. He should be a top guy in this business. And it's unfortunate about his injury timing, but at least he got back in time for Mania. And I hope he wins this and is the challenger for whoever wins the main event. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking Omos sort of needs this to propel him to the next level, but Bobby didn't really lose his title, so he needs a big win to sort of challenge the winner of that unification match. Yeah. So I think Bobby Lashley's going to win. Good on yeah. him. Back on in like such quick, like about what, a month? Yeah, yeah. And I I don't think this will be a long match. <laughs> No, I, th- I think this will be Bobby Lashley cops a few forearms to the back, gets choked. Uh, after a couple of minutes, spear, full Nelson, game over. Um, main event time. Oh, my God, listen to the wordiness of this. Uh, the great, <laughs> what is it? The biggest WrestleMania match of all time. Winner takes all match to unify the WWE Championship and WWE Universal Championship. My God. Uh, What a mouthful. Yeah. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. The biggest WrestleMania match of all fucking time that we've seen twice at WrestleMania before. (laughs) I mean... I mean, Rock and Austin at their third WrestleMania match was still just as big as their previous two, so I guess that's a valid counterpoint. This isn't Rock and Austin, for fuck's sake. (laughs) If I'm thinking unification matches at WrestleMania, ultimate challenge. WrestleMania 6. That wasn't a unification, though, technically. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Champion, yeah, champion both titles on the line. Yeah, um, I still think it would have been funny if Hulk Hogan won, and Hulk Hogan got the Intercontinental Title run that he so rightfully deserved. <laughs> Did he ever get a tag title, Hogan? Yeah, in two thousand and two. Do you know who his partner was? Oh jeez, oh two. I'll give you a hint. Someone who's <laughs> On WrestleMania. Is it Edge? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Good work. Uh, but no IC title. No triple crown for you, Hulkster. No. Even Flair um, got that. Yeah, they like just randomly gave Flair the IC title in like 2006 because like, here, here you have this. Yeah, um, here's a mystery. Uh, Brock and Roman, I think the build has been all right. Um, I think the novelty of heel Roman has definitely worn off now. I'm over the the long-winded, monotonous heel promos. Stop doing that with heels, by the way. Like, someone turns heel and then all of a sudden... They speak real soft and slow and they start using big words or shall I say an enormous vocabulary like 
It's not entertaining. I get it. You try to get entertaining. Hey, Raw's not entertaining. Hot take. A lot more entertaining than SmackDown lately. Oh, mate. Honestly, like I have not enjoyed SmackDown, and I've at least got things I look forward to seeing on Raw. I I look forward to seeing what Kevin Owens does. I look forward to seeing what Seth Rollins is doing. I look forward to seeing RK Bro and Alpha Academy. What do I have to look forward to on SmackDown? Not a lot. Not a lot, man. Like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to see Brock Lesnar driving a fucking forklift. All right, that's cool. But actually, funny story. Oh, gosh. You're not going to incriminate yourself here, are you? No, no. This actually okay. proves I'm a good boy. So a couple of weeks ago, whatever day it was that Brock Lesnar did the whole um, skit with the forklift and Roman Reigns, that day I was driving to Melbourne. And I, I was driving at that point And I said, hey, Eliza, grab my phone. Can you just like pull up Facebook, hit search up this particular page and find out the results of SmackDown for me? Can you just read out everything that this page has been posting for the past hour? <laughs> and Eliza gets my phone and she reads out, Brock Lesnar in a forklift tried to kill Roman Reigns who was in an SUV and Eliza's like, what? What is this? <laughs> and then she she like, and it's like a photo of like Brock in the forklift, like laughing with his cowboy hat on. She's like, is this wrestling? And I'm like, it is kind of, yeah. I mean, I grew up on fucking beer trucks and fucking Corvettes getting filled with cement. Yeah, this is as wrestling as it gets. You're forgetting the greatest forklift tie of all time. Oh, when he, when, um, was it The Rock used it? Oh, Mankind used it on The Rock. Oh, terrible. And you call yourself a WCW fan. I am talking. Oh, Judy. Judy. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Do you remember uh, the empty arena match with Mankind and The Rock? Yeah. And the finish of it was just Mankind lowering the forks onto the chest of The Rock. That's and just like squashing you the forklift against your opponent. Yeah, I thought that's. I still think that's a cool as fuck finish. Um, but yeah, Brock and Roman. I think, my God, they're gonna have to bring it, man, because they've had some rough matches. I think their only good match they've had was WrestleMania 31. Ooh, I think that was a great match. Uh, I before the cash in, I thought it was great. After the cash in, I thought it was amazing. Because <laughs> yeah, but my god. Um, so here's my bold main event prediction. Remember WrestleMania nine? Uh, yeah. Remember Sex what happens? Parking lot. 
Wow. Remember what happened in the main event? Yeah, Bret Hart's good and personal friend Hulk Hogan came out to help him. Yeah, uh, Brock, Le- <laughs> Brock Lesnar's good and close personal friend Cody Rhodes <laughs> is going to come out and beat Roman. Fuck. Imagine the hate. <laughs> Cody Rhodes Jeez. comes out and Brock just like points to Roman. Go get it. Go get it. I know you're kind of saying that tongue in cheek, but I could really see him doing that just for imagine the hate. I mean, Roman's title reign needs to end, but it shouldn't be Brock. I don't think it should be Brock. Who's next in line other than Lashley if he wins? Like, Lashley would be a good guy to do it with. You need to build someone with it. It's the thing. They build up fucking, like, all these records and shit just to have Brock Lesnar, who's already a fucking star, break those records. Like, The Undertaker's streak. The problem with that was... When Brock came back, he lost to Cena. If they had kept him strong in that first program against Cena, he wouldn't have needed that Undertaker win to look Ex- like a beast. Exactly. But even still, Brock Lesnar beating the Undertaker didn't need to happen. Like, if, if Brock lost to the Undertaker at Mania that year, and then Roman Reigns was the guy that beat The Undertaker at that WrestleMania that Roman Reigns beat him, I think that's perfect. Because that's, like, Roman Reigns kind of a star already, but needs that solid, solid big win. Now Roman Reigns is in that position, and what are they going to do? They're probably going to have Brock Lesnar beat Roman at Mania this year. They're not that stupid, surely. No, Brock's going to win. Like, the the story, like, only makes sense for Brock to win. I know. I don't get it. Yeah, and I just think it's such a dumb decision. They've, they keep, like, yeah, Roman Reigns, like, longest, like, I think they said, like, close to 600 days or 500 days as universal He's- champ. He's the fourth longest champion in company history. Yeah, and... Bruno, Pedro, Morales, Don Morocco. Oh, someone else. Yeah, well, Hogan had a couple, a few years as champ as well. So, yeah, so it would have been Hogan in front of Roman and probably Roman. Um, Yeah, nonetheless, like, they've built up this incredible title reign, this long-ass title reign, just to have Brock beat him? Brock doesn't need that, Rob. Get someone who's on the fringe of breaking out. I'm not saying, like, pluck someone from obscurity and give it, give him the rub, but, like, a Lashley level. Like, a guy that is a proven main eventer, but just needs that one big win. Nakamura? Uh, I think he's a lost cause now. Mm. Owens? Owens, yeah. Finn. I, I would I would say... Oh, did you say Finn? Uh, I think he's a lost cause too. 
I mean, the dude's US champ and can't even get booked on Mania. Neither can yeah, the IC the, champ. Where's the two secondary champs on this card? Yeah, what not happening. Fuck. Why are they get, wasting so much fucking TV time on Damien Priest and Finn Balor if we're not getting a resolution to it at Mania? Um, Stupid. Yeah. Um, Didn't you so, say last time the IC title was defended on pay-per-view was last year's WrestleMania, so it'll be a full calendar year now? Yep. Remember when that title meant something? Remember when that title was basically like, if that title was on WrestleMania, it meant, oh, that's going to be the match of the night. Like, every, every fucking year for a while, that was the match of the night belt. Steamboat Savage, and then you go to, like, Rude and Warrior at WrestleMania Five, one of the most underrated IC title matches. Perfect and Boss Man, WrestleMania Six, underrated. I think that's seven, actually, WrestleMania Seven, Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, IC title was in the main event at six. Then WrestleMania Eight, Piper and Hart, for fuck's sake. And then... Oh, I could go on all day. I can pretty much name them all from that point forward. Yeah, it's it's sad to see. And also, going back to the lineage of the um, US title, going back to Starcades and whatnot, and it's just sad to see how little these two titles mean. I'm assuming we're going to see a 24-7 championship at least segment where somebody gets pinned for two rather than why these two titles on WrestleMania, and that's just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's all for WrestleMania, is it? Yeah, that's all she wrote for Mania. I I still think this is going to be all right. I think this is going to be pretty good. How many matches am I actually looking forward to here? One, two, three, four, five, six. Don't forget to count Stone Cold and Owens as a match because it will be. Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay, good. That's one of my six. One, I got... two, three, four. Oh, you're, you're more optimistic than I am because I just counted five matches I'm keen for. <laughs> I got Seth and his mystery opponent, which is most likely Cody. I got uh, Austin and Owens, their interaction and possible match. I got Knoxville and Sammy. Okay. RK Bro versus American Academy. I was going to say Alpha and Street Profits. Uh, yeah, the Alpha Academy, by the way. Uh, wrong way around. Uh, <laughs> and Brock versus Roman, just to see what the hell happens there. And then. Pat McAfee and Austin Fury just to see kind of what happens there. Like the rest of this card is just sort of there. The women's matches on this card, I'm sure Becky and Bianca can deliver in ring. I'm sure the four way women's tag can at least deliver an all right four way WrestleMania tag match, but I do not have high hopes for Flair and Rousey. No. Um do you think we get a new title? You mean out of Brock and Roman? Yeah, do you think we get a new belt? A unified belt? 
Maybe. I'm not sure yet because they haven't really made a hint to any of the other champions going that way either. Well, my theory is uh, they think that unifying the belts is such a big deal, so they might want to just hold off on doing, like, the women's one so it can main event its own pay-per-view. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah. I argue it doesn't mean anything. Like, the one time it really meant something was um, Jericho unifying yeah. gold with the... um. Uh, the spinner big belt. Eagle. Been. It wasn't the spinner belt. It was the oh, big no, eagle. No, no, I'm talking WWE SmackDown Big Gold. Uh, 2013, Randy Orton wins both the WWE and the World Heavyweight Championships. Oh, I thought you were talking about Jericho with the big gold and attitude era. Sorry. Yeah, that one I really liked. The Orton one sort of meant nothing because the world heavyweight champ by that point was at an IC level and this one just doesn't feel like that big important championship unification match I'm looking more forward to the ring of honor unification than I am this yeah um here's the problem as to why this one doesn't mean as much Brock Lesnar's held that title for what a month if that yeah yeah, yeah. terrible. And this whole unification thing sort of just seemed to come up out of nowhere one week rather than it was just champion versus champion. Yeah. Um, now, did you want to chat Standard Deliver or Ring of Honor or any of the other supplementary uh, shoulder shows that are going on this weekend before we uh, sign off, I guess? Um, like, we'll do a brief chat. Um. Ring of Honor, I'm really looking forward to FTR versus the Briscoes. Yeah, do you think with the uh, the new Tony Khan ownership, FTR wins and it's sort of the last we see of the Briscoes on a national level? Yep, I definitely see that happening. <laughs> uh, rumours and whatnot about them? Yeah, I, I think that's the end of them, and I think uh, the Briscoes go to Impact. Because that's where everyone goes if they can't get booked elsewhere. Like your boy? Like my boy, but now he is getting booked elsewhere, but he's committed to impact. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Matt, four belts? Yeah, I think it's like four, five, something like that. He's going to win the World Series Wrestling title too. Calling it now. Yeah, uh, they still haven't addressed what's going on with their current champions, but that's well, a for another day. No, they said that all the titles are vacant. <laughs> oh, okay. So they finally came out and said that. Yeah. Well, they just, like, in one of their long-ass videos, just, like, quickly snuck in, all, and we will determine new champions for all of our vacant championships or something like that. Oh, boy. Um. Yeah, because <laughs> Indy's the women's champ. Yep. Uh, someone problematic is one of the half of the tag team champs, and somebody very problematic was the world champ. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Um, my God. All right, let's look at this Supercard of Honor card. Um, 
What else am I interested in? So this is interesting. Mercedes Martinez versus Willow Nightingale to determine the interim ROH Women's World Champion. Interim? I thought they were having um, Deanna on the show. They're not, because Tony Khan doesn't have a relationship with Impact. Wasn't the whole point of putting the belt on uh, Deanna so they could get her to come back to Supercard of Honor to put the title on someone else? Well, that was before Tony Khan took over. True, true. I knew they wanted to do something like that so they didn't have a... Uh, well, was they could... Awesome, awesome situation with uh, ECW. Well, they quickly put the belt on... Deanna because Roxy got signed to NXT. Yep. So they quickly put the belt on Deanna, and then after that, Tony Khan buys Ring of Honor, and then like Deanna and a Deanna Ring of Honor. Oh my god, everything sounds similar. Um, Deanna came out in an interview and said she has no idea what her future with Ring of Honor is because of Tony Khan buying the company because she knows that Tony Khan isn't working with Impact anymore and is choosing not to work with Impact anymore. Silly, silly man. So I think, yeah, so they've created another interim title and I'm fucking sick of interim belts. Shouldn't be a thing. No. In a scripted fucking sport? No, it shouldn't be a thing. Nah. Oh, they've done it so many times with the freaking world title in Ring of Honor. Gresham's the interim or the classic yeah. champion. And um, Bandito's the actual heavyweight champion at the moment. They're having a unification match, which yeah. all signs point to Gresham winning. Yeah, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything else uh, announced for the card? Because was it Willow Nightingale and... Mercedes Martinez. I think Mercedes is probably going to win that match. Yeah, yeah, definitely will. Um, Josh Woods versus Wheeler Utah for the Pure Championship. I can see Wheeler Utah winning this because clearly Tony Khan loves Wheeler Utah. I mean, who doesn't? He was a uh, heavily featured guy on New Japan Strong for a while. Yeah, but don't hold that against him. <laughs> <laughs> he picked up what I was putting down. Um, yeah, I think it makes sense putting it on Willa Yuta, the AEW signed guy here. As much as I like Josh the Good Woods, but uh haven't really heard much talk about him lately. No. Um, then we've got Jay Lethal versus Lee Moriarty with Matt Seidel in his corner. I mean, you got to have Jay Lethal win at a ROH show, but those two are just going to have a banger, I assume. I think you'd pass it on to Moriarty, wouldn't you? Sort of a passing of the torch moment? Yeah, maybe Lee Moriarty's the guy for this next generation of ROH. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, good point. Uh, Swerve Strickland versus Alex Zane. <laughs> I mean, one guy signed with AEW, the other one isn't. 
So Matt's with uh, NWA, isn't he? Alex Zane? No, no. Uh, he's done stuff with uh, New Japan Strong and Game Changer Wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay then. Yeah, not him. Now, this is the former. Um, what was his name on NXT? Ari Sterling. Ari no. Sterling. No, doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, sure. That'll probably be a really good match. Swerve is great. Uh, actually, um, I did a full year on GM mode on 2K22, and I was William Regal controlling NXT, and I spent a full year building to Swerve, winning the NXT title at WrestleMania from Walter. Yeah, it was good shit. <laughs> I built him up big time. I, I, I brought it. I brought in The Rock to lose to Swerve. <laughs> You brought in Rock in GM mode to lose to Swerve. Yep. Because <laughs> I played one match as Swerve and I was like, oh, this guy's fun to play with. Like, this is a great move set. This is good shit. He's, <laughs> he's my guy now. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else announced for Supercard of Honor? No, that's it. That's it. Like, we're talking about Briscoes and FTR and Gresham versus Bandito. Um, let me quickly try to find a card for Joey Janela's spring break. Okay. Yes, uh, back to Joey Janela's spring break after, uh, um, Ricky Shane Page hosted last year, I believe. If I'm... Um, no, no, he, um, had a proper... Um, spring break last year. Okay. Then, then, like in the middle of the year, there was the RS spring break, uh, whatever it's called. I can't find the card for this. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I can't find a fucking card for it. Um, off the top of my head, Janella and X Pac's a thing that's happening. Is this the one with Jared and Effie are also happening? No, that's already happened. Ah. Uh, I think... Oh, my God. Who's getting Effie? I forgot. Why don't they fucking put this shit on one fucking page? Um, I think Effie's got fucking Suzuki. I'm pretty sure. Minoru Suzuki? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> okay, game changer. Here's my money. Yeah, hang on. Uh, now... As Alex uh, brings that up, Suzuki will probably be in Bloodsport as well as uh, Josh Barnett. Yes. Um, oh my God, why can't I find fucking cards for this shit? Don't worry about it, it's fine. Oh, these fucking idiots. You want to chat briefly about uh, Stand and Deliver before we sign off? What's 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 that? <laughs> Uh, apparently it's an NXT premium live event. My God. Where's that going to be? Uh, oh, uh, I pulled it up. Terrible time for us. That's going to be like midnight because it's during the, um, during the day Saturday. So it'll be like midnight Sunday. 
Shit. Okay. Yeah. Well. Nope. Well, they're in even less danger of me watching it then, because uh, there was not I'm... much of a chance anyway. You found the card. You said. Yep. Okay. Uh, it it is taking place at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Uh my God, this card is quite a thing, isn't it? Uh, Carmelo Hayes versus Grayson Waller versus Santos Escobar versus Solo Sokoa versus A-Kid or Cameron Grimes or Roderick Strong. Fatal five-way ladder match for the NXT North American Championship. Go, Grayson. Uh, the story is uh, A-Kid, Cameron Grimes, and Roderick Strong all have second-chance matches today as we're recording. Yeah. Um, I hope Grayson wins, but Carmelo's been a great champ, so keep the belt on him. I mean, I feel like Carmelo's done everything he can at sort of that level, same as Santos has sort of done everything at that level. Now the cruiserweight title's gone. You're either yeah. on Solo or Grayson because I feel like Cameron Grimes has sort of been at that level, same as Roderick, and A-Kid's just come over from the UK. I mean, if you want to build a kid, this is how you do it. Yeah, this is how you do it quick. That's true. Yeah. Um, next match, Tommaso Ciampa versus Tony D'Angelo. And Ciampa, a couple of weeks ago, basically said he's leaving NXT. So this is a very telegraphed what's going to happen. Hey, I'm wrestling here. Hey. Hey, oh. <laughs> Oh, hey, oh. Um, yeah, yeah, so Tony D'Angelo is going to win for sure. I think. Yeah, it makes the most sense putting, giving Tony D'Angelo there the win. Our fatal four-way match for the women's championship, Ma- Mandy Rose versus Cora Jade versus Io Shirai versus Kaylee Ray. This has been built up really well for Cora Jade to win this belt. But yep. then, like, out of nowhere, they just go, oh, we're trading in our Dusty Cup dot for the women's tag titles. We're just going to put ourselves in the women's match as a fatal four-way now. And like, if you've set that precedent, what's stopping anyone else from doing it in the future, including the men's teams? Yeah, it's fucking stupid. And the rumor is it's because JG Dolan's injured. Well, then. Go on. Well, then, fucking. Just don't do the tag title match at this pay per view. If she's injured, why did she take part in a physical beatdown the same time they announced that they were challenging for the women's title? Well, did you notice that she actually didn't get touched? Oh. Yeah, she was like. She was there, but then, like, as soon as it got physical, she sort of disappeared. Nah, I missed part. Okay. Yeah, so that's why there's a theory going around that she's injured, because there was, she just wasn't doing anything physical. Um, anyway, I hope Cora Jade wins, but that's honestly... That's been telling. That's the story that's been told. This needs to end with Cora Jade pinning Mandy Rose. The only thing I can think of 
because it's a four-way, it's no DQ, do the rest of Toxic Attraction then get involved? Yeah, maybe. Very possible. Dolan or JC Jane, whichever one you said's not injured. Yeah. Um, triple threat tag match for the NXT tag titles. Imperium, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel versus MSK, Nash Carter and Wesley versus the Creed Brothers, who will have their arms wide open. Uh, Brutus Creed and Julius Creed. Um, the story's kind of the Creed Brothers need to win this. Yeah, at time. But fuck their shit. <laughs> They're not very good. So don't. NXT's not about being good anymore. It's about characters. Yeah. Well, they don't even have good characters. They're just like, oh, our character is we've got a, a fairly entertaining manager and we look alike. <laughs> yeah, well, who's the leader of Diamond Mind? Yeah, well, yeah, the fucking, the embodiment of oozing charisma, fucking Roderick Bland as fuck strong. <laughs> the dad. Dad bod. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't care. Let Imperium keep the titles for all I give a fuck. Who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> any predictions, mate? <laughs> yeah, I... T- Still think they're going the creeds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so this man no nah, that I'll just switch the order of here. Uh LA Knight versus Gunther, which was listed as the last match on here, which is not going to happen. Yeah. Dummy. I mean LA Knight's on fire right now. Like, for some reason, like, he's over as fuck in that crowd. But, I mean, whoever wins this match telegraphs, telegraphs like, who's winning the NXT title. Yeah. If, if Gunther wins this match, then Bron Break is winning the, the NXT title. If LA Knight wins this match, then Dolph Ziggler's keeping the belt. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there too. Um, and for that reason, I hope LA Knight wins, even though I love Gunther. Because I don't want Bron Breaker to win this main event. It feels like Gunther's just been dropped to the wayside since his name change, and LA Knight's just popped up on fire all of a sudden. Yeah, like, LA Knight's on fire right now. The crowd's really into him, so you might as well capitalise on it. Yep. And I think, like, they're honestly better off building LA Knight towards the NXT title and just, Bron Breaker, you're moving on up. Fair enough. What else? Which we... is, yeah, so the main event, Dolph Ziggler versus Bron Breaker, NXT title. I'm hoping Dolph retains as much as I prefer Bron, but I want Bron to move on from NXT because I don't want to watch NXT anymore. Can I just point out something? Yeah. Dolph was on a losing streak. He gets to NXT 
and he somehow manages to win a match for the championship. And now he's championed back on Raw. He's losing tag matches with uh, yeah. Bobby Roode. And it's just like, wow. This title is now under control of Vince, and it's still booked like shit on Raw. Yeah. Um, Dolph Ziggler on NXT has been great. Like, really good. Him and Bobby Roode on NXT 2.0 has been great. But it's they've just no idea what the left hand's doing, says the right. No, like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really inconsistent. They're booked so strong on NXT and then they're complete nothings on Raw. Um, So that concludes Stand and Deliver. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited for the Hall of Fame. I'm excited for Supercard of Honor. I'm excited to see what happens uh, coming out of Impact, New Japan, and MLW tapings. Yeah. Uh, I'm always excited for GCW. I'll probably get most of that. Uh, For the Culture was really good, so I'll be getting hit again. Bloodsport, Spring Break. And I think Effie's Effie's show is also part of the Spring Break deal, and I'll probably get that as well. Yeah. Anything uh, you're looking forward to this WrestleMania weekend? Because for me, it is not WrestleMania and it is not Stand and Deliver. Yeah. Um, I, I'm keen for Mania just because, you know, my favourite wrestler of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin, might be having a match, albeit what, what, brief. Stone Cold's your favourite of all time? I thought The Rock was. No, I was an Austin guy. Oh. Always yeah, I'll, a rocky guy. Nah, like what Warwick and I always have this discussion because he's a rock guy, and I was like, I I never liked rock when I was younger because he was always an asshole to Mick. Like <laughs> e- even when they were like teaming together and shit, <laughs> he'd just treat like Mick Foley like shit, and Mick Foley would like love him. So I always hated the rock for it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I was always under the impression that, like, oh, The Rock's just a fucking asshole. He never turned face. He just stayed heel and wrestled heels. Um, Austin, on the other hand, at least he stood up for JR every now and then. Anyway, Stone Cold's coming back, so I'm keen for Mania. And then, like, my current favorite dude is Cody. So I'm excited, man. Um, not, not ones where it's at for me though, because if I get both of those things on night one, I don't even know if I need to watch night two. <laughs> Hang on. Cause they're both happening on night one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Night so, two is just poorly. Well, I mean, both shows are kind of poorly booked, but night two doesn't have anything appealing other than Brock and Roman. Like the- I don't I don't know I don't know why they're gonna do Austin and Cody on the same night. I think that should be like one big surprise pop for each night. Even though Austin's not really a surprise, the surprise will be when he's in his ring gear. 
that's what leads me to think maybe um, Austin and Owens are doing like a co-main event talking segment, and then he's coming back the next night for a match. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's you could be right. Putting both surprises on the same night. Yeah, uh, you could be right. Anything else for you outside of Mania? Because I keep yeah. Uh, Bloodsport will be good. Uh, Supercard of Honor. Um, particularly interested in hearing about this. Um, I forgot the name of the show, but Impact's doing some weird show. It's called like the Multiverse of something rather. The Multiverse, something like that. Yeah, and I did send you a photo a while ago. Yeah, and they're doing like the Good Brothers versus the Briscoes, and like just like weird sort of matchups that you wouldn't normally get on an Impact show. So that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, uh, I'm very excited for this weekend. In particular, like I'm so pumped to see Vader get in the Hall of Fame to hear Scott Steiner do a speech in front of, like, presumably, like, every year Triple H is sitting front row at the Hall of Fame, and Triple H having to sit there and watch Scott Hall go into the Hall of Fame when uh, watching Scott Steiner have to go into the Hall of Fame, and then um, after years of Scott Steiner just putting out shoot videos talking about how Triple H is a cock and he... And he would steal Stephanie and make Triple H watch. Yeah, uh, there's a number of uh, former wrestlers who say Triple H is only in the position because he's sleeping with the boss's daughter, which, I mean, the weird course of history, if Andrew Martin had legitimately been dating Stephanie at the time. Yeah, we could have had N-Test-T. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, but I found the name. It is uh, Impact Presents Multiverse of Matches. It's a uh, Friday night special. Yeah, a playoff of Multiverse of Madness, the new Doctor Strange movie. I like, I like it when wrestling promotions do that sort of shit. Like, oh, we'll do a play on a popular thing right now. It's fun. Like um, Match Down Under does, and um, Peter yeah. play in Sydney. Yes, exactly. I think that's good shit. Um, yeah, but I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm excited. Um, I also, I forgot to mention, yesterday on Raw, they it felt so weird. Like, I felt so old because I realised, oh, shit, this dude hasn't wrestled in, like, 19 years. But I felt really, like insulted that they had to do a music video like reintroducing Stone Cold Steve Austin on Raw. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, in case you don't know who Stone Cold Steve Austin is, this is his entire career. But then I realised, well, fuck, it's been like 20 years. So yeah, there's definitely people watching that have never seen him. But (laughs) yeah, I loved the fact that on Raw, just to make the people that had never seen him before go, oh, yeah, that's right. He really is from the late 90s. His music video was set to Barbara Debar by Kid Rock. It was fucking ridiculous. 
Isn't he a Hall of Famer? He is. He is. Yeah. They even they even mentioned after the video. And we'd just like to thank uh, WWE Hall of Famer Kid Rock for letting us use his song Bubba De Bar. <laughs> Such a terrible choice. Oh, my name is Kid. Um, yeah. Not, just... I think when I say Stone Cold. No, no, it's like give him a fucking disturbed song. Like it doesn't like need to be like. It doesn't need to be his disturbed song, but give him a disturbed song. Down with the Sickness works so well for Stone Cold because it's exactly the song of that era. It's that the and, one that starts. Oh, ah, ah. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect for Stone Cold. Uh, okay. I think we've gone on long enough. Uh, anything else you want to add? Um... Humans, if you haven't listened to our interview with Daniel Cullen, it really was. I'm going to say, like, you know how much I love Fugs, and I've considered, like, our top, what, 20 episodes of podcasting we've ever done all of our Fugs episodes. <laughs> um, just because I love it so much. Get out of here, other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like... Fugs is the shit, but um. So what I, I, I think is Alex I, pushing to replace the rap with a weekly edition of Fugs. <laughs> I've thought about it before, like <laughs> no, no, I've thought about this before. It'd be so much easier and easier to listen to Fugs if we just did our weekly TV shows, just dropped them once a week. Instead of doing four fucking TV shows at once and a pay-per-view. But, my God, that means I have to write every week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, anywho, uh, I think the interview with Daniel Cullen is now, like, it surpasses all of my favourite episodes of Fugs as the best thing we've ever done. Honestly. <laughs> Yeah, it was really, really fun. Uh, we're hoping that we might be able to speak to uh, Daniel again before uh, his production goes live. I have the dates here in front of me. Uh, May 12th at premieres at uh, Hayes Theatre Co in Sydney and then uh, runs until the 11th of June, then moves to Riverside Theatre Co in Sydney, uh, June 16th to the 25th. Riverside, motherfucker. Um, yeah, so I sent him via direct message the other day, um, the Cracker Jack Lockie Hendrix video. Oh, <laughs> have you had a chance to see uh, Cracker's reply to that on our Twitter? I did, I did. Um, Cracker's always, always willing to chuck in his two cents, and obviously, I was going to tag Lockie and Cracker Jack just to try to get some fucking views, man. <laughs> but um so I sent it to Daniel Cullen and he replied with my god and then he quoted one of the lines you'll get stabbed with scissors and then he replied with how am I just now seeing this <laughs> so I think uh Daniel Cullen was also a fan of that crackers Lucky Hendrick uh -huh. thing um one of the best storylines in Australian wrestling history don't at me. <laughs> You're not wrong. 
Uh, but I suppose uh, wrapping things up for the week, where can the good humans find you and learn more about the Smack It Down podcast? Uh, you can find the Smack It Down podcast at Sid underscore pod and wherever you find your podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Fruity is Alex. Find us at WrestleOzStyle with an AUS. Search us up on Facebook, Wrestling Ozstyle. For the love of God, like, give us some feedback. I'd love to hear from the humans. I'd love to have a chat with the humans. Like, the, like there's evidence right now. Daniel Cohen hit us up, gave us some feedback, got on the show instantly. <laughs> so if you have a good enough chat with me, I'll probably put you on the show. Warwick, <laughs> Warwick, Yeah. Uh, yeah, Warwick. And you can find Chris at... I'm Chris Funder on Twitter. You can come watch me game sometimes on Twitch. I took a break recently, but I'll be coming back soon. Twitch.tv slash Chris Funder. You can go back and listen to the Wrestling All-Star Archive for free on SoundCloud, Podcast, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and using the RSS feed found the show notes below for your podcast choice, including Apple. Nothing left to say, but good day, and we'll speak to you next time. She's playing the, some video games on the couch. I'm not sure what she's playing tonight, but yeah, she's just. Elden Ring. I don't even know what that is. Dark Souls. Oh, okay, no. Um, WWE 2K22 Rey Mysterio pack. I will say I bought that today. Uh, oh, oh, oh no, no. Enough time had passed and I saw enough positive reviews that uh, I was like, all right, I'll get one off eBay using a coupon code and like save myself 20%. So, uh, by the way, humans, 2K22, actually good. Play it. Oh, okay. Looks like I've got to get a new video game now to play with Ellie. <laughs> We might yeah, fug nights on Twitch. I mean, wait a few months. Wait for it to come out secondhand because you shouldn't spend a hundred bucks on that game anyway. Whoa, whoa, WrestleMania, da 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 da. Check, 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 check. check.
check out my melody. Someday you'll see things my way. Cause you never know when you never know when you're gonna go.